Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. Hey, what's going on, automotive world? Welcome to another episode of the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping, and I'm going to be your host. Today on the show, I've got a couple special guests joining me to talk about the top five diagnostic tools that any technician should own. Matt Fonslow and Matthew Skundrich, they've both been on the show before, so you should be familiar with them, but these two guys are top-level experts in the field, and they've got some really good input on the diagnostic tools that are going to help you the most. I'm going to throw a few of my favorites in as well. Of course, we agree on a few of them, and we decided that it shouldn't be a top five. It should be like a top 50. Uh, so there are a number of tools that are mentioned here, along with a couple other topics like ADOS and new parts that don't work right out of the box. Really great talk with these two guys. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Hopefully you will as well. So with that being said, let's jump right in. Do you guys have your... Uh your five tools ranked one through five, or you just have five? Frick, I'm going to make them I up am, as we I go. Never, yeah, I don't think I would. <laughs> All, right. All right. And I, I, I agree. I'm kind of probably making this up as I go. <laughs> I'm going to be like Fanslow said that. That's a good tool. I'm adding that to my list. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did have a question about the five tools. Yeah. Uh, I'm running out of bunch of crunch already. We didn't even start yet. This is a problem. <laughs> Fans was like, why are you eating that garbage? I wish I could eat that garbage. Listen, I don't I, eat that garbage. It doesn't seem to help. I just... Listen to me. Are you married? Yeah. Did you agree till death do you part? Um, somewhere in there, I think. I, yeah, I, don't for, know, I wasn't paying for, attention. There's something <laughs> about better, death. For better or worse in sickness and in health? Right? Oh, she, she hasn't complained. I just. Right. So, okay, you're married. You ain't got my, nobody to impress. Just ego. enjoy your food and move on. Yeah, my ego. Eat more, think less. <laughs> <laughs> my wife makes fun of me all the time because I always tell her, like, why are you putting makeup on? You don't have to impress anybody at work. We're married. Just go out there and enjoy it. I gave my wife a spiel about how I think <laughs> women are basically walking Bob Ross paintings. <laughs> I almost spit this out. <laughs> just, just put a little happy uh, mascara over here, and uh... <laughs> just like little indications. There's nothing. There's not a she... lot of details. It's just a lot of indications. You can tell how mad she is at you by how red her lipstick is. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The fact that both of us are married are kind of impressive. I know that's a lot of low standards out there, but. <laughs> It should give anybody else hope. <laughs> you too can be married. <laughs> oh, my nose hurts now. Thank you. <laughs> Green tea like burns. <laughs> my wife's getting dressed tomorrow. I'd be like, hey, you were a very nice uh, Ross painting today. 
You remind me of Bob Ross. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there needs to be an extra thing of eyeshadow on this eye. Just this one. Some indications of big eyes. Some indications of rosy cheeks and big rosy cheeks and smooth skin. Just... <laughs> what did what your wife say when you said that? I think she wanted to get mad and then thought about it and then is like, God damn it, he's right. (laughs) (laughs) Which happens a lot. Like, wants to get really mad at me and think about it and like, "Ah, dang it. I don't think I've ever experienced that. My wife just gets mad. (laughs) There's no thinking. My ex would. (laughs) It didn't matter. (laughs) This one's a little different. She's thinks about it first a little bit yeah i don't uh i don't know what that's like (laughs) i don't recommend it honestly um you know hindsight being 2020 um yeah it's not worth it you think you can fix everything at some point like a lot of that was arrogance on my part thinking i fix her no no bad idea my wife has learned after seven years to not tell me something's broken. <laughs> I was thinking I just, about fixing her. I fix everything else. <laughs> if I can't fix, couldn't fix her. <clears throat> I mean, it doesn't matter. She has a problem at work. And I'm like, well, here's your solution. She didn't want the solution. She just <laughs> <wanted to> talk. <laughs> Dude, you got to watch White one... Men Can't Jump. There's, <laughs> there's a whole scene about that. <laughs> I too 100% accurate. have been thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this isn't an issue. You're going to solve it by A, B, and C and move on. And she's like, no, I'm not. And I'm like, yes, you are. <laughs> and then I realized one day, I'm like, she's not telling me this because she wants a solution. She just wants to tell me about her day. I should just listen. Just check out. And then when she's done say oh yeah that sucks that's good (laughs) well and then it becomes well at what point how do you know when she wants solutions and how do you know when she doesn't want solutions right like hey the toilet's clogged well do you need me to fix that or were you just telling me that the toilet's clogged (laughs) and you already handled it because that one i'm okay with you just handle it Well, I mean, if we're we're going to be getting into how to, how to diagnose problems with women, uh, this is going to be a five-hour podcast. Well, yeah. In, in my case, she's uh, border personality disorder, which is a big umbrella. It's, it's she like married saying, you. Yeah. But it's a big, it's a big umbrella for a lot of issues. But turns out that for her to get better would require an enormous investment of energy on her part and effort through cognitive uh, behavioral cognitive behavioral um, therapy there's no way there's no way she's totally cool buying into her own reality so I got a 3000 watt power inverter in my van. I think a couple (laughs) jump starts we could get her to go right along (laughs) (laughs) She can't talk. That's an improvement. Let's go. <laughs> Here's the money, Doc. Thanks. <laughs> I haven't found out what I did wrong in six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> 
She hasn't complained at me since her last treatment about underwear being on the floor. It's a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So you're done with school, Sean? Yeah. Last day was today. We wrapped her up. Uh, there's virtual graduation tomorrow, which I don't think any of my students are going to be going to, but we had, uh, we had a little thing for them in the shop and uh, yeah, we weren't, I don't know, we probably weren't supposed to have like food and a little celebration, but I mean, kind of wanted to, we were there in person with them every single day this semester. And it's like, we got to send these guys off with something. So um, yeah, it, uh, it's always nice to wrap up the semester and <laughs> go into summer break and actually have a little bit of uh, time to myself to catch up on stuff because I don't ever seem to have any of that. <laughs> Free time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's all, it's all going to be house projects and things I've been putting off for the last nine months. That's that's my next uh, month, at least, is catching up on that stuff. I think my but, wife is ready to shoot me if I tell her I'm going to spend all night working on that van one more night in a row. It has been the never-ending project of projects. Coming along nicely, though. Those drawers are, uh, it looks nicer than inside my house, but it's not. Yeah, I, uh, I'm enjoying the drawers. Um, they're nice. I got three sets done. Got one more set to make. The wiring's all in. I put, um, I put a fake ceiling in, insulated the roof, and put a fake, uh, plywood ceiling in. And then I put a bunch of recessed LED lights. My dad's like, how bright are they? I don't know. They say nine watt LED. How bright could they be? It's only 12 volts. I put five of them in there and I turned it on. I was like, whoa, welcome <laughs> to heaven. Christmas vacation. <laughs> Dad's like, you might want to turn one of them off. I'm like, why? <laughs> Somebody goes rob me. I'll just turn the lights on. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a flash grenade. It's flash bangs. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't help that we just tested them. Strobe like, function. At like 8.30 at night and turned all the lights off in the van and waited like a second so we could see the full effect. I was like, pink! (laughs) (laughs) Turn them off! Turn them off! So you're going to haul 8S stuff around in that van? Is it big enough? Well, I mean, I've got it all in my Silverado now, so it's definitely an improvement. (laughs) I mean... Like, look, we all bag on the aftermarket stuff all the time, but I tell you what, man, that MA600 kit from Altel, it is portable. Um, I will say that they didn't have the cool little travel totes that they sell now for it, which are ridiculously expensive. Um, maybe if somebody's cool and listening, they'll find some extra travel totes and mail them. But <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, with my kit, I don't really have any complaints. I mean, other than if I don't have something, which is fairly rare. Um, although the, I know the time's coming, I'm going to get burnt. Uh, that Kia I had that um, ran into the coding issues and all that. Oh yeah, I just that did ends a 2021 up being, yesterday. Yeah, it, it ends up being a, um, a dynamic Cal, but Autel might lend you to believe there's a static using there's a um, a reflector, but it's all black. It's not the mirrored one, like for Volkswagen. Autos. Oh yeah, I have that. It's a big flat right. piece of yep. steel. Yeah, they you can use the... okay. You can use your mirror, just don't tell anybody. <laughs> but 
you know, they tell you that's what to use and it ends up that would not be what to use at all. You'd be better off using the Toyota slash, you know, the, Oh yeah. Try. Yeah. Um, to do the static portion. Uh, but you, I mean, you end up, you just level the stupid sensor and you go for a test drive and it, it goes, it take, it took a little while, but it, it finally went the, the, just the shit part was the whole coding thing. And Kia is going to refund me my money because J box well, should worked. Hyundai never will because they won't answer their support. So just know. Um, I had a 2021 Hyundai Sonata that got a new front radar and it needed coded and aiming. And as I as the guy told me, oh, we put a new radar in this. I was like, oh, oh. if Fanzo's story comes true, I'm in trouble. <laughs> and I went in, got the as-built sheet from the OE site, looked up all the options, yep. went into my Altel. Edited it, hit OK, made sure the tablet was online because it's got to be online, and it said coded successful. And bitch. and then what's really interesting is that one you have to get the two-digit code at the end of the radar, and you type it in. Then you have to aim the radar to that angle. So mine was like negative one point two degrees. So then you aim the radar to that. Then you put your triangle out there, which. I happen to have the OE triangle for Honda Ikea because it was a little bit different size, so I bought it. And it's probably the coolest one other than it goes on a tripod, but the little plumb bob that falls down from the triangle makes it so easy to <laughs> set on the point. I put it out there, hit calibrate, and it was like, ding, ding, done. Nice. So I was like super excited that it was quick. But yeah, I was really worried it wasn't going to work because of your story the other day. But it worked. So nice. 2021's work. You guys were talking about reading directions before we started recording. I mean, how's anybody going to fix this 8S stuff in 10 years? I mean, you you got you got to read all of that stuff and understand and actually do all no, no, of no. those steps. You want to talk about some stupid instructions? Go look up a 2020 Toyota. I don't care what it is. Corolla with a round view. When you print it, that PDF is 72 pages. Jesus. <laughs> and and as you're thumbing through it, you're like, yeah, I'm pretty thorough reading everything. Yeah, I'm not reading this. And you just yeah. go behind you. You're just like, because it's stupid. That's, you got to like yeah. put tape in certain spots. It's like, oh, it's, it's yeah, really it's dumb. Like the ISTA installation guide, right? Yeah. And then oh. Nissan's another one. They're around view. Oh, put a string down here. Measure three inches from the wheel. Put a string down. And then... If you don't get a later car and you're doing an earlier one where they didn't modify the directions to tell you to use a strap and you put a string down and you go and look at your camera and you're like, you can't even see the friggin' string in the camera view because you actually adjust the bird's eye view through the radio, right? So consult tells it, hey, we're going to aim this camera and then it shows that one camera and then you adjust it and you check it on the on the radio screen and you adjust it and you check it again the image the way it looks and how it cuz you can rotate it move the x and the y so it's aimed just right okay well the first one i did it said to use string i'm like i have 2020 vision and i can't see the freaking string in the screen this is dumb and i called somebody and he's like you know that nylon chair strap that you used to have when you were a kid and once in a while, you'd sit in the chair and you'd fall through because the UV rays baked the chair to death. I'm like, yeah. He's like, buy some bright orange <laughs> one and a half inch wide strap and cut it and use that. You can see it real easy. And he's right. 
it worked great. And the thickness of the line you're you're moving on the radio screen, it's so wide that the one and a half inch strap, it like covers like half the strap. So you just put it in the middle of the strap and it's way easier to do now. But it's it's a procedure and a half. I <clears throat> in ten years it ain't gonna matter because nobody's gonna have a module to fix the car because they ain't making the modules now because we ain't got no chips. So yeah, that's, that's a whole nother problem. I mean, do they have guys at the dealerships that that's all they do is the ADAS calibrations. I mean, to do that proficiently, you'd have to be doing it all the time to really know how to set up all that stuff quickly. The two dealerships I service that have body shops, I'm their ADOS person. Okay. Yeah. I've heard that before. And maybe it was from Matt, but it seems like I've heard this now from uh, Baltuis and a few others that they do a lot of calibrations for dealers because it's cheaper to the dealer to have them do it than it is for them to do it themselves. And I mean, even for some of the mobile guys, you know, like Mass, uh, I think Hype does all the Volkswagen Audi and maybe BMW calibrations. And he hates BMW with a passion, but it's part, you know, they bought that alignment system from Hunter, but it's blue, the vague style. It's all set up, ready to go. So that's, I mean, that's almost his life is sitting there doing them stupid calibrations all day. <clears throat> like the one Ford dealer near me, when they have to do a 360 camera, the, the body shop has the space and they don't. Well, none of their techs want to sit there and use the body shop because they don't know anybody. So the service director just calls me up. Hey, man, can you come out today and do this? And sometimes I'm like, nope. Some days I'm like, oh, I'm already here. Bring it down. But it's nice because they leave their mats at that body shop. (laughs) So I don't have to worry about having a mat down there because they're they're there. Because I don't – that is one one tool I don't carry with me is the Ford 360 mats. Them suckers are big. They're heavy, they're big, they're heavy. But I mentioned they're really big and heavy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't have them yet, but I'm I'm waiting to be burned by not having them. You know what's funny? Um, I serviced that Ford dealer, and I've maybe needed them five times in seven years. That's not including the ones that, like, the dealer sends me, right? But I mean, like, other shops. Um, What's interesting is my wife has a 2020 Ford Explorer ST. Um, we got it because great deals on cars during COVID. And I had to go do a 2020 Explorer Platinum radar and camera calibration, around view camera calibration. I loaded the mats in my truck. I drove down to the shop. I'm all excited. I'm going to use the mats. I yeah. get there. It's a dynamic around view now. <laughs> <laughs> like, you son of a biscuit. <laughs> now, what's funny is the Explorer, Explorer is dynamic, but the expedition, the navigator is not. Huh. So it's really weird. Like I was like, what? Because then I had to go do an expedition somewhere, and I'm like, oh, it's a 2020. It's on FDRS. No big deal. It's the same system as the Explorer. I drove all the way down there, didn't have my mats, and I was like, you freaking kidding me? I need those damn mats. So, but I will say the the dynamic absolutely sucks. Um, You have to read the, you, you basically do it, have it fail. Then you read the instructions because you, 
read them as you're doing it. And then you realize when it fails, oh, as soon as the car starts moving, it starts looking for straight lines to build the image together. And it builds it within like five seconds. So basically do it in a parking lot because you're just going to go whoop, oh, calibrated. And then you're done. That's it. it. Yeah. If you pull off the side of the road, like I did, like I went, I was like, oh, it says driving a straight line. So I pulled off the side of the road, hit start. When I pulled on, because it saw that straight line, but I turned the car just a little, it, it contorted the whole line. It was really weird how it took the calibration. I must have did it three times before I finally said, screw it, I'm going to go in a parking lot. I went to a parking lot and drove through four parking spots. And I was like, done, perfect. <laughs> so Is that how you see most of those going is where the vehicle is going to be able to calibrate Tesla's by itself. If- Tesla is the example to follow um, in the world of ADOS, right? Because everybody thinks they have this great level 12 autopilot where you can sleep and realistically it's just <laughs> level two, but you know, we can discuss that later, but Tesla now their new cars. I mean, the customer can calibrate them. It's right in the radio. I, I'm torn about it. You know, I would have said, Dynam- everything will become dynamic but it's like the manufacturers just keep coming out with more and more static and my understanding is because while the US and maybe England and some European countries all have roads and whatnot that are suitable for dynamic calibrations there's many 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 areas of the world where that is not reasonable therefore that's why they need the targets and the, the static cals but I don't know I it's such a some people a, are going more dynamic. Some are bringing out more static shit. Well, and it's, well, look at FCA. FCA is going more static. Right. It's just like, I, I don't know what to believe anymore. I just figure whatever happens, happens. I, I think they're all going to have both. Look at Toyota. Mm-hmm. Toyota forever was static, 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 static. Yep. Now Toyota in the 2021s, they have static with a triangle, static with a flat plate, and, and dynamic. So that black square you were talking about earlier, that's also for Toyota now. Oh, wow. So, I mean, depending on what equipment you want to use, you have three different options for Toyota. Now, I've heard, I haven't tried it because I got warned. If you hit the dynamic button, you're driving that SOB for at least a half an hour, 45 minutes, so don't do it. Okay, I won't do it. I I guess I don't mind. I just like like the ones that have some sort of indication of learn oh not like kia not like a ford Uh, kia tells you and so does hyundai but you exit out and you go into live data and it'll tell you progress okay yeah um but mazda doesn't tell you ford tells you on a lot of them um but not all of them right uh mazda is the best calibration failed but all the lights are off Right. And then you find the TSP that says, oh, if it's this calibration failed, it probably works. It means the past, yeah. Yeah, test the system. Well, wait, how do I know if it failed? Oh, the light, the light doesn't go off. That's how you know it failed. The best Can you one. fix the software? Um, people are getting their asses handed to them on those. And who could blame them, like? But still. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, whatever. Well, and then, and then, like, I do a lot of glass calibrations for a glass company, right? And, and Safe Light. Um, runs all the insurance claims. And in Florida, you get free windshields if you have full coverage. So, of course, he does a buttload of calibration. So I have to do a buttload of calibrations. Well, now they want a pre-scan, a post-scan, and, a, and, and something showing the 
that the windshield completed calibration. Well, apparently they did not accept that I took a picture of the dash with the lights on and then took a picture of the dash with the lights off. And they're like, no, we need the scanner to tell us. And I'm like, look, the light was on and the light's off. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> That's what the TSB says. So then I sent them the Mazda TSB and the lady's like, well, we don't, we don't accept this. The hell you mean you don't accept it? It's from the OEM. Like, and the best is, is if your if your scan report doesn't say pre or post, they they reject it too. So now am I like if I do a Chrysler because it just says health report, they're like, well, how do I know if that's a pre or a post? But one says like ten thirty in the morning, and right. one says ten forty five. Let's just deductive. Re- oh no! Now I have a now I take my PDF and I slap the word pre on top of it. Both, <laughs> But I don't know how else to make it work. And and the problem is, is it's the aftermarket tooling that's screwing everybody. And I'm not saying the aftermarket tooling is it, – it's actually kind of nice because if you have the Altel system, you can type in an RO number, and then it records your scans, puts it as pre, and then you back out, go back in, and, and you do your ADOS calibration – and then you do your post scan, and what it does is it generates. Oh, these were the codes that the that this technician had when he first started. These are the buttons he pushed, and why he did this calibration. This shows calibration success. Oh, and here's the codes afterwards for them, right? So the the insurance companies like went to Altel and uh, I, I, all the other companies, I can't think of who they are off the top of my head. I just use Altel. So launch and everybody else and said, hey, we want this style report, and they all did it. Well, the problem is is they didn't think about an OE. And what really ticks me off is if, like, the other day I couldn't get to a Honda for my glass guy. And and it was at the dealer, and the dealer was like, oh, fine, we'll do it. Because the customer was waiting, and I just happened to have, like, a bad morning. And um, so he, he was trying to tell the service writer, like, no, look, in order for me to get paid, I need a pre-scan, I need a post-scan, and I need a screenshot showing it completed. Well, they handed him a bill, and he sent the bill in because it says dealer on the top of it. They just paid it. I'm like, son of a bitch. Like, well, I had to jump through 37 hoops to get paid because it, it says deal. So I think I'm going to change my name to um, Mobile Advanced Diagnostics Dealer so that I don't <laughs> have to jump through all the hoops because apparently that's the magic new word now is dealer. You guys, uh, you guys want to talk about some tools? Oh yeah, I guess we should talk about. Tool. I'm in... What are we supposed to talk about? <laughs> I I thought we'd go with uh, uh, top five uh, diagnostic tools to own. Oh, oh yeah, that was the topic. It's been, <laughs> listen, it was my birthday. Or let's. This is all the week started. May 9th is grandma's birthday. May 11th is my birthday. May 12th is my mom's birthday. We had Mother's Day in there. <laughs> it's been a rough week. I think Fanzo fell asleep. He hasn't moved in like a minute. Oh, oh. oh I th- Yeah, I thought it was frozen at first. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, he's not. Get the defibrillator. Get the defibrillator. <laughs> but yeah, I thought we could. Uh... Just list off some uh, top five tools that diagnostic wise uh, that would uh, recommend. I don't know if the right way to put it's everybody needs to own them, but uh, what's most important as far as uh, you know, All right. diagnostics I'll, go? I'm going to name the number one tool that you must have. And I take with me on every job. And when I break it, I instantly stop at Napa and buy another one. Okay. 
incandescent test light that takes a 194 bulb. Gotta have it. <laughs> I don't care what I'm doing. It's gotta be with me. Because Dang. if the car pisses me off, I'll stab it with it. <laughs> if I need to check power, they'll tell me if the power works. So... <laughs> <laughs> well that's on my list for sure and yeah i i have four test lights all with different bulbs in them for different amperages right this is like might need it for you know what it, you know depending on the circuit and the amperage i want to pull through there but yeah i mean i'm not I that upset out on like almost every every job i got i got a test light out on most of the time if there's any circuit issue any electrical testing i got my test light out i mean I think most people know they know about a test light, but I don't know if everybody understands just how how simple and valuable it is to cool. every day. Here's here's why I use a test light. This is my very sad story about a nine hundred dollar mistake. So I got convinced seven years ago when I started my company that I should have a load pro because it loads the circuit. And does this great test at the push of a button, right? And you and it goes anywhere. And I was a power probe junkie, so I was like, fine, whatever. I bought into the hype. So I had this uh, dosing module on a Chrysler. It had no communication. So I got my load pro down, checked back probe into the power wire with the module still attached, mind you, and hit the button. And the voltage didn't drop on the power side. Okay, it's good. Did the same thing on the ground side. Okay, so I have power and ground. I uh, scope the with my U scope, scope my little can lines real quick. Oh, yep, must need a module. I get a new module and plug it in, and uh, I have the exact same problem. I'm like, what? And there's something wrong here. So I grabbed my handy dandy test light and stuck it on the power, and I had no power. Like, it wouldn't light the bulb. I was like, but the load pro says they have power. And so I hit the load pro button like six or seven times. And about the seventh time, it dropped to zero volts. And I realized that the switch wasn't making contact for the resistor all the time. I chopped the leads off. I threw it in the garbage can. Power pro, or test light ever since. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. I had to do this with the module unplugged because it's on top of the dosing tank. And so you couldn't get to it. You, I, I unplugged it, which is why I used the load pro. Because I'm like, oh, it loads the circuit. Okay. Yeah. So I, you couldn't. That's what it was. You couldn't do it with it. And it's like we're in Florida. Like there's cattle farms everywhere. The amount of horse manure and cow manure underneath his truck was so disgusting. You really <laughs> didn't want to spend as much time as you wanted underneath it. But yeah, I had pulled the connector out because I couldn't get to the module. It's bolted to the top on the – it was like a 2015 – um, 3,500, but it's bolted to the top and they had to like drop the tank a little to change it. But I felt really bad. It was a $900 module and I was like, the load pro didn't work. I should have used my test light. So now I use a test light because you can see if the load's working or not, right? If yeah. the light's not on, you know, the so circuit's not loaded. And I know people go, but it's not enough amperage. It's only half an amp. Listen, your module ain't drawing over half an amp to wake up. So I'm perfectly okay with half an amp draw. And the other thing I like about my test light, and I teach this in my basic electrical classes, you can measure a voltage drop with your test light a lot easier because you can put the banana clip right on your big long lead. But if you need to test fuses in a Volkswagen, 
make sure you don't have the one that has a really long bare metal tip when you're testing the fuse. Because if okay. you touch the fuse on a Volkswagen, the the interior fuse box is like six inches in on the dashboard, and their metal bracket goes around <laughs> it. So if you have that like long eight inch metal probe and you're not really paying attention, you touch the fuse and accidentally touch that, it's a straight short to ground with that like quarter inch metal rod. Dude, it shoots the most amazing sparks and you will spend more money in fuses than you ever thought possible. But you know that circuit works. <laughs> it's like playing operation, right? You got you to get the wishbone out of there. So, so now I have a piece of heat, uh, double walled, glued, insulated heat shrink on my test. <laughs> light after that incident so you do have to be careful every car i don't care what i'm diagnosing it's going with me it has to be i grew up uh as a construction kid doing electrical and contracting in houses so we had buckets right i don't know if you've ever been on a job site but every tool goes in a bucket there's no organization to the buckets it just goes to a five gallon bucket and then you just put the bucket in the truck and then when you get to the next job you're like hey find the measuring tape where's that well it's in a bucket we loaded 10 buckets. Can you give me a clue? No, you just look through all 10 buckets. So uh, that's in my bucket. All right. What do you got, Fonzo? Well, I definitely have an assortment of test lights. None of them are the computer safe variety. I think we we're kind of sold a line of BS on that. Um, but yeah, some of them aren't technically test lights. They're made from 194 bulbs, 31 you know 57s headlight bulbs uh all for the purpose of varying what type of a load i want to put on that circuit boy oh boy must have tools uh it's really hard to get away from a u-scope for the price capability um durability uh, I, I don't know how you get away from it. it. It just comes in handy. No, you're not doing crank versus cam. But how many times are you laying under a dash testing something for the HVAC system? You know, blower motor stuff, blend air door stuff. You don't need, you know, four channel or eight channel or two channel, nothing. That little, you know, just really handy, easy to get to, easy to operate with one hand tells you what you need to know and i mean again the price it's priced yeah. that everybody can have one everybody should have two <laughs> <laughs> and you got a two channel scope right there right. Right. The same time. <laughs> just stack them <laughs> that's, that's what i do I, I need four channels just stack them up I 3d printed a little thing you can just slide them all into each other stack them. are they synced ah, details <laughs> It's synced, right? You start the car at the same time. Yeah, right. It's good to switch on at the same time. You just watch them at the same time. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. If you took a picture with your phone and then you put, you just line up the cam and the crank on your, on the picture on your phone. That's you right. If it's in time. Well, I mean, um, if you just let it run, right? Like it's, it's live. So it's got to be there. <laughs> Yeah, that little thing's so capable, and yes, it goes with me to just about every car. Like it's it's the thing I'm gonna pull out every time before my Pico, unless 
I know I'm doing a cam crank or I need multiple channels for whatever reason, but otherwise it's the U scope because of how easy it is to set up and it's totally capable. I can see CAN bus waveforms just fine. And I mean, there's not a whole lot that's more detailed than that than you need on a regular basis. So I mean, yeah, yeah. You can even use a thought process of like if you work in a shop that does a level one diagnostics for a drivability concern, the U scope is definitely for the level one. If you're doing your initial tests and realize that you're going to need something more than the U scope, now it's you get to hit pause and the service advisor calls up the customer to authorize level two because that's when you're pulling out, you know, the big guns, if you will. So here's my question, because when we talked about having just five tools to take with you, I put the use scope on my list because I love it, and then I deleted it from my list. And here's why, because I said, oh, well, I'm going to take a scan tool, and we never specified <laughs> if there was any <laughs> limits on what we could spend. <laughs> and so I said, use scope crossed off ultra from, <laughs> from Alto, because then I get the scope with it. Um, but well, I, yeah, because we were like, talking about doing either just the top five, <laughs> or you're talking about doing a, the five tools you would want on you for a vehicle that you're, yeah, not. okay. So I, I'm just picking top five. Oh, yeah, okay, okay, okay. But that's why I was like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely a different thought process there. You know, if you if you had to have five going into it blind, you want the most capability out of one tool, right? <laughs> you, you I'm like, want... how bad can I cheat this and get three, three to four tools at one? Right. Well, like, I'm going to say a power probe four would be in my you can top be, five. Yeah, yeah, you're going to have your OTC Genesis on so that you can have a five gas analyzer and a scope module. <laughs> and None of them are worth a crap, but you got it. <laughs> Um, no, U-Scope's definitely on my, like, top five. Everybody should own one. Um, I, I I love it. For students, the, it's huge because oh, the price is right. And then that gets them the introduction to using a scope, right? Even if they're not doing crazy stuff, they know time-based, they know voltage scale, and they didn't spend a ridiculous amount of money. And it, then if they want to expand beyond that, get a, get a snap on or a Pico or whatever, they're ready for it. They know how to use it. And, and, and some of that stuff you would hope the shop would pick up the tab. It may not happen. You know, in my world, it didn't happen. I just bought it myself, but a lot of people, and hopefully the trend is more. So shops are starting to pick up a lot of this stuff, especially if they got a tech that wants it, you know? Yeah. I, I like the use scope over any other, I'm going to call it entry-level scope, and, I, and I'm not knocking it. Just because it's one channel, I'm giving it entry-level name. But the thought to me is it now has presets. It used to not have presets. I know AES Wave's done some killer updates to that software, but I never use their presets anyway. But it really trains a, a, a young tech to understand how the voltage division changes that graph, how the time base changes that graph. And you could do it with such an easy push of the button that it's so quick that you almost don't even want to try to figure out the preset setup that they have. Um, I know there's YouTube videos on it and I should really watch them, but I'm just like, if I have to spend five minutes to learn how to use a tool, I'm just going to keep pushing buttons how I know how. So 
I, that's where I think the U-scope really shines, too, is it teaches you more than just a scope, right? So then when you get the Pico, if you're like, oh, I need to scope this and this, you don't have to worry about having five presets built up. You're, you can just time base it and go on. Um, so on your note about the ultra, uh, one of the tools that I put down, you know, for diagnostic texts that, you know, the all, the ultras got scope and scan tool and J box and all that stuff. And I haven't actually used one myself. I, hear that I just nice. got one. You need one. Okay. It's God's gift. But my other one isn't Autel. It's, it's the IM 608. And the reason for that is just all that you get with that tool, right? You get an Autel scan tool, which is pretty capable on a lot of stuff. You get the J box, but you also get the programmer with it, which eh, maybe not is for everybody, but you're getting it along with everything else. And now there's, you know, some ways that you can learn about this stuff and add just another piece to what you're capable of doing. And it's, it's a, it's a lot in one tool. The, the thing I find funny about the Ultra is it's the Altel Ultra, right? It should be like the ultimate tool, and it includes mm-hmm. no IMO functions. I'm like, how do you have a yeah. tool call it Ultra and then skip IMO? Like, it yeah. seems like an oxymoron in the name, but whatever. The immobilizer functions, I guess that, that I didn't even mention that. That's just through the scan tool, the immobilizer functions that you have with that tool makes it so versatile uh, to be able to do all kinds of stuff. Um, yes. Yeah, when you mentioned programmer, um, the the J box is separate from what he's talking about. The programmer hey. is more for uh, chip level, you know, accessing the board, accessing a specific chip, usually usually eight leg, and um, doing some sort of uh, editing or copying, pasting, or something like that to solve. I, I would say generally a mobilizer type stuff, but Come on, you're not busting it Coming out up. to do the S12 secured <laughs> microprocessor change of mileage in that Ford cluster. Well, but I mean, I think in the near future, Sean's going to have a case study that he went beyond a mobilizer in a very interesting vehicle. Very, very interesting. So hopefully I leave everybody with a little bit of cliffhanger on there where he <laughs> uses he uses the programmer, the, the XP400 specifically, Um to uh, rescue not one vehicle, but two. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's one of, one of which I broke, but uh, we were able to fix that. <laughs> Listen, it's not about if you break it. It's about if you can fix it that matters. <laughs> there's a, there's a group on uh, a locksmith group I'm in on Facebook. And it's a bunch of people that basically invited me in there. Cause they asked me programming questions about J2534 all the time. And they know I know that, and they know I suck at keys. Well, one of the guys posted, how do you know if you're an elite locksmith or not? My comment was, you're elite enough when you know to say no to a job because you'll just screw it up. But then enjoy <laughs> the phone call after somebody else screws it up for you to come fix it. <laughs> and somebody's like, new business model for 2020. Because <laughs> there's a lot of jobs I turn down, right? Like, I'm... I can do a BMW FEM job, but I don't want to, right? I can go do an ADOS job and make the same amount of money and have a lot less risk. And so I'll be like, man, I'm just too busy to do your BMW key. And I'll get the call like two days later. Hey, so I called like Jose Cuervo out here to do my key. And uh, 
I think I know why they call him Jose Cuervo because my car doesn't start now and I have more problems than when we started. And I'm like, oh, okay, well. Yeah, that's a little bit of life experience to be able to see that stuff come in because sometimes you don't and you're like, oh, yeah, I can do that. And you jump in and then you hate your life for the next day or so. Um, but yeah, when you get to that point, at least you know ahead of time, yeah, like, this is this is not what I want to end up doing with my day. At, at least then have the wherewithal to say, yeah, it's okay. I, I got a lot of stuff going on. I can't take that one right now. <laughs> the, the best business advice I got from Robert Dutch Silverstein was learn to say no. And it has been the best moneymaker of all time. Because by not saying no, if I would have taken that job, sure, I could have done it. But would I have missed other jobs? Well, yeah, there's a good probability of that. But then if that job goes south, how much did it just cost you? And that mm-hmm. was one of those things where I was like, eh. at first I thought he was an idiot. And then we talked about it more. And I'm like, dang it. Why are you always right? <laughs> I say it's because he's old. But <laughs> hey, anyway, back to tools. Uh, so the 608. Yeah, I, I don't know. I have a scanner on my list for like top five tools everybody has to have. Like I feel every tech should own a scanner. I know the shop yeah. should provide one, but mm-hmm. I feel like every tech should own one. Um, and I'm not talking like you, the, the tech should own an ultra, but the tech definitely should own like a nine Oh six. Um, or the launch X four thirty one or the, uh, the new top Don that's out. I can't yeah, think of it. Phoenix, Phoenix. Phoenix plus. The Phoenix, um, it's pretty reasonably priced. It's pretty good. It's based off launch. Um, well, yeah, and they got that. I mean, it's a pretty. I think it's a pretty screaming deal. That. Um, well, yeah, but that's like limited. So don't mention it because then somebody listens to this podcast two months, they'll be all upset they didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> you should be listening to it all the time. That's right. You gotta once, download once it. Once right Sean away on puts it up, you guys should be listening to it. Um, but there are there's couple vendors that you can buy the top done phoenix plus with unlimited lifetime free lifetime updates yeah tell me about that i saw you post something i i have my 608 that way you know i i had a launch and um i don't use it all the time it's not wasn't my first better (laughs) wasn't my first grab but it's it's one of those things where you you buy stuff because Maybe, maybe, just maybe, you get that car in and you, you kind of go through whatever scan tools you got and it doesn't do it. So now yeah. it's one more before I have to, depending, again, this is always like car line specific. Mm-hmm. What is the BS level in getting the OE tool fired up? If rather, whether I have the OE interface or I'm using a J box, sometimes it's a lot of pain, you know? Yeah. Some factory scan tools, whether you have the interface, the OE interface or not, if you don't use them regularly, there's a certain pain level in getting them up and operating. So now if you have aftermarket tools that usually get you by, especially when it doesn't involve like firmware updating, mm-hmm. it's, it's calibrations or, or tests or data, data stream type stuff, PIDs that, you know, you kind of start loading up on different types of aftermarket tools that are stronger on certain things than others. And the, I bought the launch, um, you know, off Amazon to plug holes. It was inexpensive. And then I see this deal with the uh, top done and, um, you know, I would consider the vice president of top done a friend. And it's like, ah, you know what, I'm going to 
you know, jump on this. So I bought one and it's like free updates. I'm going to pay this thing off in a few years based strictly off updates. If the updates were $500 a year, I've made my money back in three years. Sure. And so I went for it. We're supposed to update our scanners. Come yeah. on. And then I sent Justin Morgan my launch. So <laughs> I got my 608 with lifetime updates. And now we're on like year three. And I'm like, this was the best money ever spent. <laughs> yeah. I got the what? I am 600. Right? Yeah. No, yeah. 508. 508. The I am 508. Okay. Mine's, little mine's badged Auro. Yeah. It's the okay. Auro 508. I am 100. Oh, okay. Or I am 100. Yeah, sorry. 500. Five, well, it's essentially the same, though. Yeah, you're right. Damn it. Too many oh, dude, numbers and acronyms. <laughs> and, and then you know what really pisses me off is they have the 508, and then they have the TS-508. So yeah. when somebody's like, oh, I got a 508, and I'm like, TPMS tool, good for you. I'm like, well, then you get a program that keyboard. I'm glad you bought it. So you got to be careful when you tell somebody to go buy a 508. Oh, 508 right. will do that. Go online, all tell 508, get a TPMS tool. Be very specific. Um, I got another one on here that's from AES Wave, uh, the U scope. That's where you can get that. Um, the U terminal test. Uh, oh, yeah, that's a good one. That, oh, my God. That comes I'm with so glad that's on your list, too. Everywhere. Uh, I like the way you're, the way you're thinking. <laughs> And it's got do it's you, got the little pouch. Do, do you have it? the old kit and the new kit? Uh, I do. <laughs> um, mine. I bought mine in 2018, so I don't know which one's where. You have the old kit. Okay. Is it? Do Do you taste the skittles or not taste the skittles when you <laughs> open it up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's every color. If you there. have a new kit, you get it. Yeah. Yeah. I actually oh, both man. kits because some of the leads in the top section changed from the old kit to the new kit. And so I'm like, hey, Carlos, can we like merge all these together in one big kit? Because <laughs> I still yep, They're just in two cases. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he thought. But they don't make the old kit anymore. That's no, a, I don't. A, yeah. See, there's a dilemma here. Yeah. God, but yeah, that one. thing that thing's awesome for I mean connecting to circuits if you're using a scope or te- test light or U scope or whatever. Um, doing <clears throat> doing pin drag tests, I use it all the time for that. Um, and then it's got a little pouch in there, so I got like a headlight bulb in there. I've got some wire piercing probes. It came with some wire piercing probes, but they actually opened up on me, or one of them did, and I got yeah. just burnt by that. Cause I'm chasing this open probe inside of it for like an hour. Cause I thought it was in the circuit. And so I guess that would be, the, <laughs> that'd be the downside, but I put some nicer ones in there and um, it's got the airbag simulators, yep. which are just resistors. But I mean, it's just so handy to have everything. Oh my right gosh. There. That is the airbag simulator in that kit makes it worth its weight in gold. Yeah. And it's like a couple hundred bucks, right? 199, yeah. right? I think it's 199. Yeah. It's heck of a heck of a buy. It's so stupid cheap. I bought ten of them and then sold them to shops around me. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a good idea because I always get asked when I pull it out. Like, oh, where'd you get that from? So God, I gotta have a few of them on the van. <laughs> if you okay, so so if you buy them, make sure you call Carlos because at the time he's like, well, I'm not 
I think I ordered 10 and he's like, I'm not shipping you 10. I'm shipping you 12 and you owe me another 400 bucks. Well, I don't want to buy 12. <laughs> I want to buy 10 because it's $400 cheaper, but they come in like a case of six, right? Like the box. Uh-huh. So he, he did a ship me like 12 of them. <clears throat> and it was funny because it was right before he came out with the new kits. And so I had sold like eight of them and he's like, Hey man, uh, how many of them kits do you sell? I, I might need to buy a bag from you. Because <laughs> he was running. He had a, he had like so many kits sold. And they weren't making the new ones because they were trying to transition. And I'm like, well, I've got like four left. Mail them back. <laughs> I will say but, there yeah, are I, other versions of it out there, like cheaper versions, the not AES Wave that have like terminal leads in there don't get that one um i i have a co-worker that ended up purchasing one of those and it's nowhere near the same quality and none of the leads stay in their little spot when yep. you open it up they all fall out and he was super disappointed because i'd showed him mine i'm like this thing's freaking awesome and he found one i don't know somewhere online and not not the Amazon. same quality yeah yeah exactly um, the other thing that's in that kit that I find utterly the most useful tool on the planet is the potentiometer that's in there. Yep. Yes. Yep. Um, I will say that it's very, very low wattage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Carlos has been nice and warrantied out two of them so far. <laughs> I had a, uh, I had an AC system that had a direct short. And I was just like, oh, this pressure's through the roof. Wonder if the sensor's bad. I didn't even bother to check for a short thing. I plugged that sucker in. It was poof. I was like, I know what's wrong with this system. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that 5-volt, I mean, if you've got an AC system or that potentiometer, if you've got an AC system that, that you don't have light bait on like Nissan because um, they suck. <clears throat> Nobody should buy those cars ever. They suck. But – and you're like, hey, the AC's not working, and you think it might be a pressure switch issue, or you have a code for a pressure switch, but there's no data. You can go in and just move that thing around and, and get it to work. It's nice. Yeah. Or just something as simple as a gauge sweep test, you know, especially when they give you the spec. You know, the, oh. ones that come to, the ones that jump to mind are Ford, that they're typically pretty good about the specs of the, um, you know, like the fuel <clears throat> level sensor. And, for resistance or whatnot and you can set it stick that in there and does it do what it's supposed to do Um, yeah um i use it a lot for havocs because you know there's it's got that resistance so it knows where the potential or knows where the motor is supposed to be yeah and so i'll do a little sweep with it um and make sure that the havoc module is reading the right position based on the resistance yeah, fuse buddies that are in there are pretty handy too because they got the extra lead so you can connect yep. a meter just, scope and put an amp clamper on there. I just bought their, their new fuse buddy kit. Does it cover all the weird ones? Um, Yes. Yeah, like the three leg. Yeah, the three leg. Yep. I, uh, I, I bought a 2021 Transit and they come with these upfitter switches. So I have four aux switches, two or 20 amp circuits each 20 amps and then the last two switches are each a 40 amp circuit but you got to like plug in the wire harness right and run it and so i'm like thumbing through the manual and it gives you a list of all the fuses my 2021 transit has every fuse possible i have a mini the micro the three the micro three 
the JTAG, the mini JTAG. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> it was like Ford was like, hey, we have all these fuses lying around. Let's put them in a transit. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty bad. So some of them, I never knew what the name of them were. I just call it the three leg POS because that's how I feel about it every time I see one. But it's actually a micro three. Um, I'm going to name a kit that's probably not on anybody's list other than mine, but I feel every tech needs to have it. One of the wire harness deep pinning sets. Oh yeah. I have like six of them. There's only one kit you need. Um, fine pigtail sells it. It's like a hundred bucks. It's got these real nice metal leads. Um, I bought it off Amazon, but findpigtails.com sells it. And I buy a bunch of connectors from them when I need them. But it's the the uh, it's solid. Like I haven't broke a lead yet. It's hundred or hundred and ten bucks for the kit, but it comes with like eighteen different things, and it's it's nice. I I couldn't mostly because eighty percent of my job is electrical. So to me, if I really want to test a circuit, I'll plug in everything but that one pin that I'm worried about testing. I'll actually de-pin a connector and hold that out. Just right. to test something with it, mm-hmm. um, especially if you have the U Advanced Test Kit. If you're really good, you can deep pin it and then shove in the correct pin so you can <laughs> get a good reading out of a module. Um, sure. So yeah, I feel that like every tech must have a deep pinning kit, especially if yep. you're going to work on Chrysler's because the new friggin' automatic grill shutter is yep. wired wrong now, yep. <laughs> so you need one anyway. <laughs> yeah, yep, I have. I think Steelman won the the big Steelman kit. I think the, that's um, it. It's the awesome it's made Mocker. by. <sighs> I think Steelman's the one I got off Amazon, and then I bought another one from Fine Pigtails, and it's like the same kit. But I was like, "This is sweet. I have a second one," because I feel you should have two of everything. I yeah. just because <laughs> you're gonna break one. Yeah. Especially. Yeah. Well, like the U Advance kit. You put a lead down and forget about it. And then you're like, shit, I only got three of them and I need four. <laughs> you just <go> open your... <laughs> California is really far to get a shipment overnight. Uh, I guess one I would throw in there is the, uh, and mainly out of laziness on my part, is the Amp Hound or Amp Hound 2. I don't even own one. Yeah. Okay. You know, again, super inexpensive. And it's basically a little voltmeter that uh, you voltage drop fuses with to find parasitic drains. So I have the first uh, one. I've had that thing forever. The Matco guy sold it to me while I was at Firestone. And I didn't even realize how cool it was until years later. And I pulled this thing out. I'm like, oh, this is really sweet. I don't have to unplug any fuses anymore. <laughs> Or you got the chart and you got your meter and your yeah, yeah right yeah you know. come and on it works that absolutely works so um, freaking lazy I am very lazy now you got just... too much money <laughs> yeah <laughs> actually I don't <laughs> but the reason is because I have a bunch of crap <laughs> <laughs> no I uh, you know what's funny is I I, I won't buy it because I I don't want to do parasitic draws mobily. Right, because it's like, oh, let me get here and wait forty minutes for the car to go to I don't, sleep. I don't blame you. I don't <laughs> just, and then if you get the reputation of having some success on them, and other shops freaking find out that you figured a few out, 
They just send them all your way. Yeah. Now, I've done a couple for body shops, but I have rules when I do them now. The car must be left inside in the shade overnight, and it cannot go outside in the sun. The reason is my thermal imager, because Florida is so hot, will not detect anything if it sits outside in the sun. That was going to be my next one was a thermal imager. See, I wouldn't put it on the list. I hardly use mine. I find it just oh, I bought the snap on one for like fifteen hundred bucks when they first came out. And I was like, Oh, this is cool. Yep. I used I, it twice and I'm like, eh. Yeah, I, I know that's is almost like the Ford Chevy debate. I don't know that the snap on one is really in the debate, but uh I think some of those seeks and I think the auto <clears throat> imager is pretty darn good. I don't have one. I don't have an auto one either. Yeah. I I would like to just to yeah, see it in action. I've got a FLIR. Um, that uh, it's a the one of the smaller FLIRs. Uh, I mean, it works. I, I, I like it. The screen's smaller. Where the Snap-on and I think the Autels, the screens are fairly good sized. You know, we have the uh, Seek and then the FLIR, uh, and they actually just plug into your phone. So you use your yeah. phone as a screen. And it makes the image a little bit bigger and like they're a little bit more cost effective because you're not buying the whole handheld thing. But listen, I don't want to use my thousand dollar plus iPhone <laughs> for anything near a car. I well, I still have an this. iPhone seven, so I it, 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 I don't oh. care if I drop it. But it's but, you know it's one of those use your imagine and not to take away from you know or steer this away from what Matt was talking about before we he mentioned mentioned uh, thermal imagers but it's kind of one of those uh use your imagination you know ac looking for blockages um heated seats for the grids or the defrosters of course uh, mm-hmm. or rear defogger i should say maybe not defroster and then yeah if you can let a vehicle with a parasitic drain sit overnight in the shop and it can kind of get to a nice um you know thermal equilibrium then you can go in there with that. And a lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times, man, you can get some pretty good direction on where to go where that uh, parasitic drain, especially if it's on the heftier side. Well, I'll say the opposite of Matt up here in Minnesota, nine months out of the year, you park it outside. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Then you'll find that real quick. <laughs> Anything that's above freezing will stand out pretty quickly. Um, on the, on the note of parasitic draws though, um, one tool I love hand having just it's it's so small it's like the snicker bar sized amp clamp that just has the readout on the front and it has uh, needs for it to be a voltmeter but man do I just love having that thing to clip around is wires it the ESI real quick. One? You use uh, yeah, the ESI a, one or is it the? Um... It's a forty dollar one off Amazon and it I mean it's not super accurate it floats a bunch but I mean for quick measurements of amperage i mean it'll do all the way down to milliamps and it's yeah. just super cool. super handy and if i need something more detail i'll get out the amp clamp for the scope but yeah because i think the that thing the esi one i think is fairly inexpensive as well suffers from the same issues but otherwise to get the accuracy you have to have that you know fairly good sized jaw opening mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you're using the freaking uh you know pico 30 amp not the red one the black one the what like five six hundred dollar one um or uh it's made by i think you can buy a badged fluke meter man ah there's another one i I should know 
but they're they're ultimately this all the same clamp, and uh, they have about a one inch or three quarter of an inch probably jaw opening that, but they're accurate down to you know fifteen twenty milliamps, and they mm-hmm. don't really float. It's just a little bit of a little bit of ching. That's not a little bit of ching. That's like a weak paycheck. it's like be honest here i mean no it 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 hurts doesn't hurt (laughs) one out of 52 weeks one out of 52 paychecks gone do you ever go to buy a tool and realize like man this is like four paychecks why the heck am i buying (laughs) i try not to think about that (laughs) That, i agree i don't i try not to think about it when you own a small business and you realize you spent like $34,000 in like OEM subscriptions in January, you're like, wow, here goes one third of all my yearly sales right there. <laughs> maybe, yeah. not, maybe more like a sixth, but yeah. No, well, yeah, but whatever the number, it's just, yeah, it's just like, <clears throat> that, you know, we've got a few people working for us now that have very limited automotive backgrounds. One of them's a customer service rep. One of them's kind of the lube tech, um, both of them women, which have nothing to do with what I'm going to say, uh, that they had no idea what it took to fix vehicles. Like their jaw dropped at the prices of the equipment and subscriptions like it never occurred to them that you know one of the somebody walks out front and they want a free code scan and that scan tool you know just pick on the zeus if you walk out there with the zeus you're going to do a free code scan with a 12 13 14 15 dollar scan tool and it just watching that register with them and that's one tool and we've got you know dozens and dozens of scan tools and test equipment and you know ac machines and all this like oh my god they had no idea and all of a sudden that you know 100 and 100 plus dollar an hour uh labor rate doesn't seem quite so expensive anymore so <laughs> <laughs> right. well if anything i've i've hired a couple of advocates it it's funny Doing ADOS, you you show up with that Toyota stand, yeah. and it's a piece of wood with this aluminum yeah. bracket that's like <laughs> looks like it's welded by a second grader. And they're yeah. like, "You want how much to do this job? You want three hundred and fifty dollars to calibrate this car? Listen, this stupid stick with this piece <laughs> of aluminum is like four hundred dollars. Like it's dumb." Yep, and then have you bought the little plastic thing yet to measure the angle of the parking sensors for $90? It's yeah. like 3D printed plastic that goes on your angle finder. <laughs> Carry one in my pocket just in case. <laughs> um, Just use my cell phone. What? <laughs> <laughs> I sort of reached to the screen and punch you. <laughs> oh, my hate mail just went up. <sighs> oh, that's funny. Uh, let's see. The U-Scope. Oh, I know what my last tool was on my list of five. The Power Probe 4. Not a multimeter. The Power Probe 4. And the reason I'm saying you don't need a multimeter is we have the U-Scope, right? Which will suffice as a as a functioning voltmeter if you want it to. But then the Power Probe 4 does the resistance check for you. So now I've filled in both gaps. And I 
hate to say this, but as much electrical as I do, I never pull out my multimeter anymore. I do. Yeah, it's rare. <clears throat> I mean, me, okay, the Vantage Pro, I use that fairly often, but rarely for the meter function. Maybe the graphing meter. Um, But yeah, it's... You're right. I don't know the last time. It, it would be for a very specific test. If I have to do an insulation test, I'm not even using the quote-unquote meter. I'm using the insulation megger function. Right. Mm-hmm. It, the only meter I would probably buy is the Fluke that has the detachable screen. You know, I don't know which one it is. The model. Oh, yeah. but, I know what you're talking about. But the the screen, the display, comes off the meter and it's wireless. And that's the only one I'd buy. And I talked to Carlos about buying it. And he talked me out of it because he's like, well, it eats batteries. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I don't want to carry like a 26-pack of batteries with me mobily. So forget it. So I never bought it because Carlos told me it eats batteries. But that's the only tool that I would maybe replace my Power Probe 4 with. But the that's downside to the Power Probe 4 is I've been through four of them already. So... I got that Snap-on one that you can Bluetooth to your phone and use it similarly. Okay, now that would be useful. And you can pick them up used. (laughs) I don't know why it is, but they keep popping up on my Facebook marketplace at much more reasonable prices than I paid for it. (laughs) Well, let me know because my my Snap-on bill was getting kind of low and I felt bad for the guy. (laughs) My Snap-on guy hates me. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't have a Snap-on guy, but I was. I was never the guy that ended up with a jacket or a hat or a cooler or anything like that. Anyway, so <laughs> probably probably well, I don't have a guy. Everybody knows I've got at least one Snap-on jacket <laughs> per year. <laughs> per kid, <laughs> kids are kids all going you... to school on <laughs> Snap-on coats. <laughs> How many kids you got? Good night. Uh, that I know of. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wrong. I know. <laughs> well, Wildly that's like, untrue, too. Well, that's like uh, one of the shops bought me a Snap-on jacket as a Christmas present um, for, for going mobile and helping them out. You know, when you're first starting off, you just say yes to everything because you just don't want to go bankrupt. And <clears throat> I did jobs <laughs> I never should have done. And the guy knew it, and I way undercharged him. So he bought me a Snap-on jacket. Florida, like, the next year didn't get any Snap-on jackets because they were the heated ones. And they're like, what idiot in Florida is going to buy a heated jacket? (laughs) My Snap-on guy was so pissed he couldn't sell them because he's like, everybody wanted to buy the heated jacket. Because, you know, it hits like 50 degrees here. And we're like, oh, my God, where's our parka? (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, so I don't know. We don't. Snap-on's weird. Like they they skip years. They'll mail jackets to Florida. <laughs> you used to you get could, the big wool we, socks up here. They would hand oh. those out around Christmas time, and I actually really liked those ones because they yeah. well they were free, but they were actually really nice socks. <laughs> almost, I think the only socks I own are Snap-on socks, and not because they say <laughs> Snap-on on them. Are they that nice? They're nice and reasonably priced. I feel like. I mean, you know, we got. Red Wing shoe up here, of course, and they have the Red Wing shoe socks, and they're they are very nice. They're more expensive than Snap On, so I just get a dozen from Snap On every, you know, six, six months to a year, and <laughs> I don't know. I like them. 
Yeah, so I like my Power Probe 4. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, the downside to my Power Probe is on the 4, it's very more strict on using the ground, right? So I'm a big like, hey, I can push power here or ground here. Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason on the 4, if you ground like a relay, that feedback that comes through because you're you're closing a coil, right, and you get that flyback voltage, yep. it spikes your Power Probe 4 and it can break it. And you know when it's broken because when you put it on a ground, it shows minus 900 volts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I, it, it works. It functions. You just have to now know that ground is negative 900. I don't, I don't understand why the three <laughs> doesn't do that, but the four does, but it happens. And I've been through four of them now. I've and never they, actually owned a power probe. Um, I've used one. I've worked with people that had one. I just, I've never, I mean, I, I, I get it, but I never really felt like I needed one. I was you just like, well, 30 I, amp ground at your hand <laughs> at all times. This, just, you can I, blow I up. The, it's just amazing. I got those retractable uh, leads that I, that if I need to power and ground the back yep. of the vehicle, I just got my 30 foot coil. That's a, yep. a magnetic black coil thing. Yep. Yeah, Those yeah. are great, except I for one it. problem. Are they on your list? They can't be that good. <laughs> no, they're not on my list, and this is why. I wasn't paying attention one day, and I dropped one of the leads, and the positive and the ground lead met on the oh, ground. Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and before I could get it apart, I had melted 30 foot of wire on the ground. Because <laughs> yes, that definitely didn't pay happen. attention when it was uh, dropped where it was landing. So I kept we, we can't. Yeah, we can't have a top five. This has got to be like top 50. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I named my top five U scope, U advanced test kit, the LED incandescent light, a scanner, and my power probe. What am I? I think I'm at like two. I said what the U scope and the amp hound. Oh, thermal yeah. imager, right? I kind of s- yep. snuck that in there. That's well, you agreed with us on the U advanced test case. All your stuff is, I agree with all your guys' stuff. That's why I don't like the five anymore. <laughs> I want to call it. <laughs> I have a minimum 15 for this show, but it should probably be like 50. These are the tools you must have to be an A level tech. <laughs> <laughs> I was, Sean and I were talking about this one time. This is a while ago, but I don't know. I think it was on the phone. We were just BSing. And I had said something where you can tell. A, a a savvy or a, a bright tech who's strong with electrical by looking through their toolbox and if you see an array of light bulbs with you know pigtails or leads connected to them they're probably they're probably fair fairly good at electrical stuff if you see a bunch of scotch locks and uh, <laughs> uh, th- th- you know it's the opposite <laughs> you know it's funny i was putting my uh transit together and I had to splice some wires. I was like, I gotta have a scotch lock here somewhere just to like make a <laughs> test connection, right? Like before I start cutting into my van harness, I'm like, a scotch lock could be great for a test. I searched my whole house. I'm like, I don't have one flipping scotch lock. <laughs> <laughs> my neighbor who builds trailers for a living, I walked over, hey man, you got any scotch locks? <laughs> yeah, you guys can get away with it. Us, break, <coughs> it breaks in a week. Yeah. Listen, I got called and asked if I, if I if I had a scanner to do a 1993 Honda Civic today. 
You no. put a you put a scotch lock on a wire in Minnesota in about a week or two, it turns into a pixie stick. <laughs> yep. But it's not as sweet. And I wouldn't recommend <laughs> eating it. Yeah. That that green <laughs> flavor is uh, not the best. <laughs> yeah, you think it's lime, it's really not. <laughs> How many times did you eat one before you realized it wasn't a pixie uh, stick? twice. I thought the first time I just got a bad one. <laughs> But what's funny is my list of five is the same five tools I'd probably take to go diagnose a blind car. (laughs) (laughs) You probably do pretty well most most of that stuff too. I mean, I find myself grabbing very similar stuff. I mean, I have a bag. I got a, it actually was a laptop that I I bought and it came with a black zip up bag. And I just throw a bunch of stuff like my U-scope and my test lights and that little mini amp thing I was talking about and a few other things so like that I just grab and I don't know 75% of the time I got everything I need right at the car I don't have to go back out to my van um I mean, it's probably different if you got toolbox in your bay but I mean oh, if yeah. I'm going to show up to a car blind I'm going with my whole truck right like <laughs> yeah right. Yeah. It at that point <laughs> but well I, I got one on my list here and I don't know that every See, I come at it from, I guess a lot of us come at it from the mobile perspective, but I I think this would be really important. Even when I was tech at Firestone, I should have had one is a good laptop, honestly. And it's not necessarily a tool to diagnose a car, but I mean, all the things you need that laptop for, I mean, even some of the stuff we talked about, like a JBox or programmer, Um, but having like service info right there on a laptop under the dash or under the hood or something like that. I'll um, trade you an iPad. Ooh. Yeah. I, I need to upgrade to a tablet of some sort. <laughs> I got a free iPad when I bought my iPhone and I was like, what are we going to use this for? Because it has three G or five G five G. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it is. Right. It's got probably five G now. Yeah, well, this was like when I got my iPhone 7, so it might have been 4G. Um, but they were running some promotion where you get a free iPad mini. And I was like, oh, whatever. Dude, it worked awesome for Y-Tech. And then I found out I was using it for my Identifix, All Data, and Mitchell. So it was really nice because it, the battery lasted forever. When I broke the screen, I didn't care. I just ordered one off Amazon and slapped it in in 10 minutes. So... Maybe not an iPad necessarily because they're kind of expensive, but I, yeah. you, you know, something a of tablet that of some sort. Yep. Yeah, I would not do a laptop for service information. Yeah, yeah I I, that's actually a good idea. I mean, for wiring diagrams and stuff, I suppose that works oh. pretty well with the touchscreen. I, I don't have one yet, but I'd like to mess around with a Surface Pro or something like that for that specific purpose. Yeah, the thing I didn't like about the Surface Pro was the cost. They're yeah. kind of expect they're for what they are. They're really, and then they only come with like one USB port. I'm like, really? I'm paying like two grand for a friggin' laptop that has no keyboard, and one USB port. What the hell's wrong with you? Um, but my wife has one for work, and I'm not gonna say I've borrowed it a couple times and played with it, but it is pretty <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, the the Apple doesn't have any USB ports on it. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying though. But the Apple is like. $1,200 and you're getting a tablet, okay. right? Like okay. it's marketed as a tablet, 
where sure. the Surface is like, oh, well, it's a tablet, but it's also a PC. And I'm like, yeah, but it's a useless PC. It's got one USB port. I mean, you go to program an APIM on a 2010 Ford, and you're like, oh, I need two USB ports. <laughs> oh, let me go get a laptop because my Surface Pro won't work. You know? Like, it's just... I don't know. Now, if you're going to talk laptops, the only laptop to buy is a Dell 5424 Rugged. The damn thing's bulletproof. My kids dropped mine off the counter here at least 16 times. <laughs> and I, I've ran it over with a car once, so we're doing pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have an Acer Predator that I very much like. But I haven't ran over it with a car yet. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it would not last. <laughs> it was upside down. The screen was on the bottom. And I I didn't realize I had dropped it out of my truck. And I backed up and I was like, ooh, that was bad. Yeah. It still works. Yeah, I've I've had a couple of the tough books, the Panasonics, and they're a little pricier, but uh, they sure hold up well for getting slammed around in the van and everything. They uh, pretty pretty durable. So for that aspect, I like it. I would like to say I probably started the CF fifty three kick at least on the one J page. I started it, and everybody made fun of me, and then. When Windows 10 came out as the standard two years ago, mm-hmm. I said, oh, i got to buy something new. Well, I found the Dell 5424 refurbished from Dell on eBay. And I'm like, what? It was like $1,500 less than new. It was an i8 processor, or i7 processor, 8th generation, uh, 32 gigs of RAM, and like 2.5 gigahertz quad core, right? I'm like, I'm never going to use this up. Oh, and it had one terabyte m2 drive in it so it's not even the solid state it's the m2 yeah, drive hard. right and and i was like well that that hard drive alone is like a thousand bucks so 1500 laptop on oh, this is no brainer and i got it realized the one terabyte wasn't as much space as i was hoping it would be <laughs> um ended up buying a two terabyte m2 drive um, I have a buddy who works at Cisco and he's like, Oh, I got some lying around because he builds computers as a hobby. So he sold me one cheap. And, uh, I called, I, I, you know, you have to restore windows and everything and I've never done it on a Dell. Well, in Panasonic's world, you have to individually download every driver, right? Install them and it takes forever. Dell. Oh no. They got this command update center. You type in your little five digit code that's on the bottom of your laptop. It goes online, downloads all the latest drivers, it exactly is built for your laptop, installs them all in one swoop. I was like, never buying anything but a Dell again. (laughs) Because you know, eventually your hard drive is going to fail. Mm -hmm. And when my hard drive used to fail on my Panasonic, it it was a solid state drive, but I went through like two of them in four years. It was like four hours to reset that sucker. Downloading all the drivers, and installing them, and going, oh wait, which version of Intel processor do I have? Do I have this one? Yeah. Screw it. Just install them all. Right? It took forever. Dell, it was like one button click, and it knows because it's almost like the uh, the as-built data is like for Ford, you get that code, right? The, the tear tag. It's like the tear tag for your Dell. It's, okay. it's genius. It's, it's this little code on the back of your laptop. The problem is it's on the back of the laptop on a sticker. So if you scrape the sticker off, you have no idea what the hell it is. But luckily, <laughs> Dell was smart, and um, on the newer stuff now, it's actually stored in the BIOS. 
Okay. So now you can look up your tear tag through the BIOS if you need to. <laughs> so I have found Dell to be just so user friendly. The little bit more premium you pay for them, if you're not computer savvy, pays off. So Dell's better than uh, Ford uh, transmission strategy codes. <laughs> I don't know how you guys deal with that in Minnesota, man, with the salt. Oh, those, those stickers are if they're there, they're they're scratched or wiped yeah. off of there. <laughs> I had a guy two days ago go, "Hey, man, I need you to program his transmission. We put a PCM in it, but I don't understand what this is asking. The guy programs all his own stuff, but he didn't read service information. Typical yeah. auto mechanic who reads service information. <laughs> and, and I said, dude, you got to crawl underneath the car and and read this code and just type it in. That's all it wants. And he goes, oh, okay. I'm like, you don't even need me. Like, kind of walked it through him on the phone. He calls me back and he goes, hey, man, you want a pro tip? I said, yeah. What? He goes, don't spray brake clean on that sticker. It wipes all the lettering off. <laughs> I guess it, yeah. the engine had an oil leak and he couldn't read it. And so he wiped it with a rag and it kind of smeared. So he sprayed brake clean on the rag and wiped the sticker and it was gone. <laughs> I did that once with my thumb. I was trying to wipe the sticker off and I don't know, there's oil or whatever on my thumb. There goes the entire thing. I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> Well, yeah, into the valve body we went. <laughs> My wow. training shop spray paint the old sticker black, and then they have a sticker they put on there, and it says in glove box. And they put the sticker in the glove box. That's smart. Because <laughs> they've been burned too many times from oil leaks, right? Sure. Like, they, they reuse the valve body, but want me to come update the TCM for, you know, just TSB updates. And once in a while, the, the computer wigs out, right? Things crash. Oh, I need to get the code off the sticker. Now the sticker's gone because oil ate it. So they just put them in the glove box now. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> oh, and then you guys got to deal with the all-wheel drive and the differential codes from the GM. <laughs> it's on the top. Yeah. I get one of those like every year and I struggle to remember where the code is located on the diff. <laughs> Nobody yeah. has all wheel drive in Florida. Yeah. The first time I did that, I was looking at it and I was like, where the heck is this number? And yeah, it's like, you got to get it with a mirror, or your camera on your phone to get it on top. Is it on the connector or is it on the module? I don't remember. It's, it's on the module on top of the differential. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and you take your phone and you hold it all the way up with the flashlight on and take a picture, <laughs> but you can't see what it's seeing. So you're just like click, 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 click. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, you take like 15 pictures and then you scroll through them and you're like, oh, this one works. <laughs> and then it never fails. Invalid code. What? <laughs> so those are my five tools. Matt, what do you got? You got to have another one. I got a lot. Um what are I'm your top about... 50 tools? Let's <laughs> <laughs> Top 50. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's hard for me to get away from the, um, and maybe slightly left field, but the uh, t the diagnostic box TDB003 for immobilizer key type issues where you get to the point where you, you kind of need to know is the key itself good and um is You're... the is the halo even trying to excite the transponder and then for proxy keys for prox keys again is the antennas even trying to um talk to the key 
And that, that, uh, I don't know. It just seems to answer a lot of questions quickly for a very low price. You're talking about the, uh, the one that tests the proximity keys. Yeah. You can put the proximity key in there and it tells yep. you if it's emitting a signal. Yep. And, and then it has the additional piece you can plug in for the, Yep, like a little wand if you want. Yep. Yeah. Or you I can hold it up to the um halo area. Does AES wave sell the wand? I yeah, I think they get everything now for diagnostic oh. box. Because they have more than just the 003. They got like a 008 and I think a 006. They don't have and, a 007 or I'd buy it just <laughs> just because <laughs> just because of the name. I, I and I think they have they have like a full blown key programmer. It's uh, weird. Yeah, I, I've never used it. I don't know. I, I think DeFazio might have one. Keith DeFazio might have one, but I, I've i never seen one live or used one. And I I think they're, you know, they get a good amount of money for them. I think, you know, all I've seen are his videos with them. It seems capable. It but. works well, but it's weird because it's like a Game Boy. It's like black and white. You just <laughs> yeah, right. have yes and no. Like it's it's just weird to me. Yeah. Like as a key program, I'm like, I need icons in a GUI. <laughs> <laughs> if it doesn't have a GUI, it just doesn't work. Yeah, but for like three hundred or three hundred and fifty bucks, the T that TDB 003. I'm pretty I don't sure even that's think it's model. that much. Yeah, maybe it's not because but, I bought that. My Ultra got sent with two broken <laughs> scope leads. And so I bought the scope leads from Carlos because he makes yeah. the best freaking scope leads. Right. And I, I got the scope leads, the DB003, the new um, fuse adapters because I was like a ghetto and fuse adapters from my... You advanced test kit. That's the other thing. If you don't have an adapter, the you advanced test kit makes an adapter out of the 50 <laughs> parts. Um, I get yep. sick of ghetto and stuff together finally. And I ordered that, that, that. I want to say it was like 500 bucks for all three of those things. So, yeah. And the scope leads were probably 150 of it. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I find myself using it. It just answers questions for me quickly. Well, is it even trying to excite the key? Is the key even working? Um, and then if there's any questions, sometimes uh, the uh, key tool max. Oh boy, that's uh, a versatile tool there. I, yeah, I just it, got it a couple weeks ago. It can do quite a bit for what it is. Yeah, and, yeah. Except the battery only lasts five minutes if it's <laughs> under 120 degrees outside. <laughs> Um, it does. It, there's some overlapping capabilities with the uh, diagnostic box, but with with like the testing of the key itself and the uh, antenna, it doesn't do proxy, but it does. Um, yeah, the regular no, the key tool max doesn't do proxy. Does or does not? Does not. Yeah, it does the so the key tool. Uh, sorry, the TDB003, the diagnostic box does proxy. The key tool max does not. Yeah, so I was trying to it, distinguish that for yep. the no, it's, sorry. it's an important designation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's very important to um, make sure we're on top of that because what it does do that's nice is you can build the vehicle into the key tool max. And then when you go test the key, it not only verifies that the key is good, it lets you know that it's the right key. And I'm sure 
I'm not the only one that runs into this where people come in. It's like, Hey, I bought these keys off eBay. I bought them off Amazon. I bought them from, you know, goodkeys.com. And could you program them? Well, let me, let me check quick. No, they're not even the right one. Wrong chip, wrong, whatever. Mm -hmm. And it saves a lot of freaking time. It, it just saves a lot of time. And then there's, there's more capability with the key tool max that, um, like re, um, is it resetting? Would that be the right word to use? Um, some of the keys. Yeah. For the remotes and stuff. The remote keyless entry. Yeah, like they the might Chrysler's. be locked. Yeah, yeah, they they'll be locked, quote unquote, locked, and the Key Tool Max will allow you to go in and unlock them so they can be programmed to another car, or learn to another car, whatever yeah. terminology we want to use. I actually had to wait for mine to charge so I could unlock a key. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I did a win module and totally forgot to tell the shop, you know, hey, if this doesn't work there'll be two keys added onto that and it's X amount more. And so because I forgot, I wasn't just going to like, you know, charge them because I feel bad. Um, I mean, I could have, and the guy probably would have paid it and not have cared, but I just feel like, I don't know. I have my rules and I stick to them. It's probably why I'm poor. So I wasted the hour to <laughs> unlock the keys. Cause I had to wait like 20 minutes for the stupid tool to charge enough to even turn on and then <laughs> solder the four wires onto the one Chrysler, reset it and move it over but it, it it does work well on them yep. i don't know what they call i call them the mercedes chrysler keys because they have the mercedes head. um uh, tiptronic no fabic fabic yeah the, fabic. I think it's, yeah the fabic keys it does work well on those if you get an unlocked one but i must be super lucky because i've done so many of those wind modules and i'm always because i've heard people say that you got to do new keys and i don't know knock on wood every single one of mine i've done the old keys work well, here's what's funny. The lady had three keys. One worked, two didn't. Huh. And and what's really interesting is I unlocked them, and they all worked. But I've had it to where, like, you can just add one new key, and then it'll take the other one. So then I take my new key with me still, right? Because it, it's weird. Like, once you learn one key, it seems to accept anything. I don't understand. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I... um. There's companies that sell these universal Fobic keys for thirty bucks, and yep. it's every button configuration. And so and I have I keep a few them, of them. Yep. Yeah, I keep them in my truck, and I'm just like, Doop, here you go. Yeah, it's uh, blue something, blue blue rocket. Yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, blue rocket from American Key Supply. Yep. Yeah, I few few of those kits. They've knock on wood. They've worked really well for me. The only time I've had an issue is the remote start ones. Oh, I suppose. But it's been like two keys out of 30 I've sold. And they don't like getting wet. I don't <laughs> it rains a lot here, so people get their keys wet all the time. The, the one tool I like um, that's really odd to have, and almost nobody has it, is the parking antenna sensor detector for the Pico. Yeah. And I have the old school ones where it's like this long, where it's like yeah, a foot long, super short, yeah. And um, no, it's like a foot long rod, and they weren't labeled for which one's which, yeah. And so, like, I'll plug it in, and I'm like, um, oh, it's not working. Let me go get my other lead. And then, oh, now it's working. <laughs> um, so I'd like to get the new ones where it's only like an inch long, but 
those things. They'll they'll save your bacon on testing door handles, testing parking sensors. Um, they are well so you, worth their weight in gold. You're talking about like the the sonar type parking sensors, like in the rear bumper. Yeah, the ultrasonics. ultrasonics. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Now, so if you do- I I have that lead for the Pico, but I always end up just pulling out. I mean, most of the time I pull out the stethoscope and I just listen here if they're clicking. Yeah, but the problem is, is on the newer cars, unless it's in reverse, they're not on. And I don't trust none of these assholes yeah. that are in the body shop not to run me over. <laughs> I suppose so. But I done yelled at them 16 times for not plugging stuff in. So, you know, you think they'd learn by now, but no. Yeah, I like those a lot. Granted, I still have to have them put it in reverse, but at least I'm not like bending down with a stethoscope right there and standing <laughs> up so I yeah. can at least move when they let go of the brake. <laughs> Those are not, the door handle one's the best. Um, I never tried it on a door handle. Well, there's there's two different leads. There's one for the parking sensors, and one for the door handle, and you, they don't work on the opposite one, so you got to know which one's which. Gotcha. Um, but like for example, Chrysler's on the newer cars. There's a little magnet inside the door handle. Um, the not the handle, the cap that goes over where like the door lock is. And when the techs take it off, they don't pay attention and they just throw it in their cart. Well, it knocks the magnet out. That magnet closes a latch in the door handle that tells the door handle it's closed. If that's not closed, the little button on the handle will not work. (laughs) And it's the dumbest design, but it's so funny because if, as soon as you look up service information and see how it works and you like, you end up with a code that says like, no communication with door handle or something stupid. It's a really odd code. And you look it up and, and you'll, if, if you're like me and you read through all the testing procedures first, it gets to a step where it says, please pull out paperclip and see if it sticks to the, to this side. And you're like, what the hell? And then it says, if paperclip doesn't stick, check for magnet. <laughs> well, shit, that's the first step I'm going to because they took the door <laughs> off. <laughs> nope, nope, nothing sticks. <laughs> And then what's really sad is, is the front door handles have it, but not the rear. So, and the caps fit on any door. (laughs) So now you got to go through and test all the caps because like they'll put the two that, that have the magnet on the passenger side. And, and so now you got to take it off the rear and put it on the front door. You know, God knows. I see the most weird stuff, body shops, but that's, that's one that I've like, I pulled out the antenna the first time and the tester and you're going through all these steps and you're like, check for magnet. Oh shit! Just started <laughs> with that, <laughs> and it is—it's a real dinky magnet. When you see one, you're gonna be like, "This is dumb." It's not even glued in; it's a press fit magnet, <laughs> and it's press fit in plastic. So, good luck in Minnesota with your weather. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's all they used to do with my Lego kits when I was a kid. They had a little round magnet that you'd put in a certain <laughs> Lego, and then it would stick things together. <laughs> But that's another one that I just – I don't use it every day, but being in body shops with, with ADOS and parking assist and blah, 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 it's one of the sure. tools that I could not live without. I mean we could get into ADOS. Like I couldn't live without my ADOS stuff, but that's like a whole other level of expensive right. stupid. See, top 50. Top 50. <laughs> <laughs> uh, box. I think every shop should have a box at this point in their yeah. lives. They, and a lot of them have them. They don't even know it. That's what's really sad. Right. Uh, right? 
it's almost the same as like back in the day with the snap on scan tools. They never knew they had a scope. <laughs> no, no, they, they knew they, they had don't a even scope. know they have a J box. They and, knew and if, they had a scope because it came with the leads. <laughs> you just never <laughs> saw the light of day. I went to a shop the other day and the guy's like, you know, I'm thinking about learning how to use my modus after all these years. I'm like, well, I think it's time to throw that modus away. <laughs> <laughs> but like the, uh, the ultra is, I mean, if you can afford it as a tech, that's the tool to buy. I mean, you get four channel scope, you get the J box that has all the new protocols for today, May 13th, 2021 cars. So if you listen to this in three years, you're not like, Hey, this thing sucks. <laughs> um, <laughs> make sure we date it. Um, it has all the protocols for today's cars. The scanner's fantastic. And I used to complain about the size of the ultra. Cause if you haven't seen it, that sucker is massive. You get an Autel back brace with it, right? Yeah, it should come <laughs> with one. Um, and it, but, I love the size of the screen now. Like now I'm like, why would you have anything smaller after having it for a month? The, the well, you downs- can dual screen, right? You can do yeah, yeah, you, you can, or split screen, right? Split, you can screen. split screen. The problem with it is, is I do a lot of test driving after I do ADOS. So I have the VCM I because the vehicle communication module interface, I keep saying VCM one because it's a habit. Um, and it doesn't look like an I because it's a capital I. So I thought it was one forever until somebody at Altel made fun of me. So, but if you put that in the seat that weighs five pounds and then you put the 25 pound tablet in the seat, <laughs> you have to buckle the seatbelt. <laughs> Otherwise, you're driving down the road ding, and you're ding, going, What the ding, hell is ding? ding? <laughs> I actually, the first day I got it, I had an Audi um, that was. Uh, it was a dynamic radar because it was new. So I was like, I'm going to try my Altel. And so I put it in the seat and it kept dinging. And I'm like, why is this dinging? <laughs> and it finally dawned on me a couple of minutes going down the road because the, the seatbelt lights like in an odd spot for the passenger. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, that's why it's dinging. <laughs> so I made a video. and I was like, how you know you made a scan tool that's too heavy. And I send it to everybody I know who sells the Altel tool. And I'm like, check this out. <laughs> Oh, it's in the it's in the cluster by the mileage. That's where the seatbelt symbol is. Like it's in a spot I never would have looked. So what I did was is I put the little VCM one or VCM. See, I did it there. The VCMI in the seat, and I said, "Look, no seatbelt light." And I put the tablet there, and I was like, "Look, seatbelt light." <laughs> <laughs> well, now you don't have to carry around as many weights for doing uh, passenger presence uh, calibrations. You got you got the Autel to take the place of the twenty five well, twenty five pounder. <laughs> It sucks because I used to know my Panasonic CF53 weighed eight pounds in a Honda seat because I, <laughs> I tested so many Honda seats. It told me it weighed eight pounds. Well, Honda got rid of that feature. It's just a zero. So now I have no idea what it weighs. So I'm like <laughs> dying to get like an older Honda that needs the, the calibration. So I can be like, huh, look at that. It does weigh 20 pounds. <laughs> the The other tool that's really heavy, if you haven't played with one, is the uh, the Bosch scanner. Um, but the reason theirs is so heavy, they use gorilla glass. So it's like unbreakable, but when you pick it up, you're like, Holy Jesus. It just wants to (laughs) flip to the glass side because you know, it's, it's a real thin tool, but that gorilla glass is so thick and heavy. When I first got mine, I'm like, what's the deal with this? It's probably handy for in shops though. I I ran it over with a truck. 
my kid knocked it out of my truck and I didn't know he was playing in my truck and I kept it on my passenger floorboard when I first got it. And I, uh, I laughed and the babysitter called me and she's like, Hey, we found this black bag in the yard. Is this yours? And I'm like, Oh, I don't know what's in it. She's like, well, there was something in there with a screen. It's in like a million pieces now. <laughs> and I'm like, well, turn it on. Dude, it booted up and turned on. I sent it into Bosch warranty and they were like, what happened to it? I'm like, uh. <laughs> Florida sun, man. Yeah, I'm like, it's harsh on things. And, uh, <laughs> but I mean, it's still actually function. Like, cause you know, it has the HDMI display. So just for giggles, I want to see if it worked. So I plugged in like a monitor and hooked it up. To, it, it still functioned. I ended up getting a new screen and a new Wi-Fi card. But it's it's super durable, but super heavy. But not durable enough to get ran over by a truck. No, not, not <laughs> durable enough. <laughs> yeah. There's a limit. All right. There is a limit. Well, it's like when I bought my Kardec 3, I'm friends with David Bartman because of the JPEG. And... I was like, "Hey, how durable is this thing? I'm pretty, pretty rough on tools, man. Like, if it's if it's breakable, I'm gonna break it." Um, and he's like, "Well, we we ran it over with a car several times to make sure it was durable. For that. <laughs> we don't recommend it, but we did test it." I'm like, "Perfect." <laughs> yeah, I had a brand new. I got a. Br- I sent my Elite in, had a screen put in it, had it less than 24 hours, and I called Maurice. Hey, buddy. Um. So does that warranty cover more than one screen a year? Because I might have broke mine today. He's like, you just got it back. <laughs> he was not happy with me. Yeah, you're uh, you're rougher on those things than I am. I I always scratch up the screens for sure, sit them throwing around the back of the van. But I don't, I've been pretty good on not breaking the screens. But... Uh, the problem for me is. I know I'm going to use my scanners on like every job. So I leave my 608 and my Elite on my passenger seat in my truck. Okay. And at some point, somebody will pull out in front of me or run a stop sign, run a red light, and you slam on the brakes and they slide up, they hit the dashboard and they fall down. And that's what breaks the screen. It's not me personally. It's just <laughs> that's why I can't. That's why I can't wait to get the van because it'll be in a little drawer, right? Like, sure. Then knowing my luck, like somebody will hit me and the whole van will roll, and I'll be like, "Look, every one of them broke. <laughs> New record: twelve screens in one day." Yeah, that's the worst. You get the panic stop, and your whole uh, whole back of your van's rearranged now. Like, you hear everything too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Looking for something later, like where is this? I know I put it on the shelf here. <laughs> it's at the front of the the freaking van, rolled all the way up there. And it always happens on a day where it's like raining and you're super busy, so you really don't even want to take the time to put stuff back. And then after you panic stop, you're like, "Wow, that was I should have hit the car. It would have been cheaper." <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we said Pico, I mean, but get a Pico too. I mean, we yeah, but. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're going to... See, I don't know, though. Like, the Ultrascope is so nice. I, I'm i really debating on selling my Pico now that I have my Ultra. I mean, it is night and day above what they used to have for a scope. Have you played with your Ultra yet, Fanslow? I don't have a... I have a 909. I thought you had um, an Ultra. Uh, I've been told it's uh, in the mail. Uh, so... <laughs> I'm going to make some phone calls tomorrow. I'll be like, hey. <laughs> I 
uh, yeah, I, I haven't got a chance to use it. I have a couple of the, uh, what, 408s, right? Okay, yeah, I have a 408. I like it, but the the ultrascope, the interface is way nicer. It's freaking wireless. Yeah. Wire, wireless 4-channel, right? Not 2-channel. Yes, channel. wireless 4-channel. Yeah, wireless four four channel. Channel. Pico is like behind the times now. They need to step it up. <laughs> they, I know, you know, back when I worked for one of the distributors um, that became Pico USA, that was really high on the list of things to do. And they just felt like the only way they were going to be able to have the data transfers high enough was to have their own proprietary um, communication, you know, wireless communication. And it, they just said, nope. Then they're, you know, that could change. Now that I've said this, it's probably going to be tomorrow. They're going to come out with something <laughs> yeah. wireless. But forty-four twenty-five AW. Yeah, I think they're just going back. They're sticking with the USB three and what whatever the next, you know, is it USB three plus whatever that no, is. No C C C. So, I think that's. I mean, the Altel works because it works off of a. What is it? C wireless network, right? It could be. Yeah, I I think we're at like A B C. I think C is the new wire, like one of the newer wireless network protocols. So the VCMI has a wireless card in it, and then your Ultra Tablet has two wireless cards. So it's its own wireless network. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, and it works great. Huh. I was scoping some can lines on a Chrysler. Um, for a blind spot issue, and I was sitting in the driver's seat, like turning the car off and on, going, "Wow, this is the best freaking tool in the universe because it's wireless." It took me a little, a little bit to realize one of my leads is broken, but yeah, that was our. Yeah, with non-secure gateway modules, you can quote kind of scope the uh, lines at the DLC f- through yes. the scan tool, correct? Yeah, that's yeah. pretty. That's pretty sweet. You can do that. I I'm hoping they come out with a relative compression test through the OBD with the VCM. I I mean, there's no reason you can't do it. Absolutely you got no the scope reason. and you yeah. got the 16 volts right there in the ground. Uh-huh. I, mean, I think there might be some nervousness about uh, copyright infringement from uh, a certain person. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you haven't got to play with one, it is it's neat to play with. But when you pick it up, you're gonna be like, damn. I mean. My 608, the entire 608 can sit on just the screen. Jeepers. It's that big. And and then it's got a steering wheel holder. My next video is going to be like, who uses this? Because on my Silverado, if you put the steering wheel holder up, stick it on the steering wheel, it covers the entire steering wheel. (laughs) It's massive. I've, I've, I got one of these uh, laptop holders that goes on the steering wheel. Finally, I saw somebody on Facebook using it, so I ordered it. That is the fuck, That is the slickest thing to be what? just have that little laptop holder on the steering wheel. What is this, and why didn't why wasn't this in your top five? <laughs> right? I, I don't even know, think did about he get it five. Now. He might have just made it. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll say this is five. It just sits <laughs> on the bottom of the wheel, and you got a little plate there. I mean, you could. I don't know. I'm getting kind of fat from to. being mobile and eating too many McDonald's burgers. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, yeah, how far back is like crunch go? bars before podcasts? <laughs> hey, hey, it was only one box. Okay. You it ate com- it and I watched you eat it and I got fatter. It sucks. <laughs> it comes sucks, from the, man. 
as my son calls it, the dollar buck store. <laughs> and they cost one dollar buck. <laughs> if you have kids and you won't have Disney Plus, please watch Bluey. It's a great show. It's based in Australia, and they call them dollar bucks. They got the uh, Mighty Ducks. Uh, oh, that is the best. Right now. That was it was actually really good. I, I'm still going. It's not over, but I really, really? enjoyed that they, they, quite a bit. The only problem with it was they kind of like ruined Gordon Bombay and just reused the same storyline. And I'm like, you couldn't have come up with something a little better? Just yeah. a little? little? Yeah. I saw episode seven's out, so as soon as we're done with this podcast, I'm going to stay up for another 40 minutes and uh, watch episode seven. <laughs> you know what's funny is is uh, the one thing I wish I had and I don't have is them stupid expensive test leads for the uh, CanFD networks to scope. I don't know. Or Pico yeah, makes the, the passive, yeah. Yeah, I don't have those, and I really would love a set. Yeah. But I don't know what they I don't are think now. they're th- that expensive, though. They're more than you think. They're a couple hundred bucks last time I looked. How often do you run into where you might actually need something like that? Uh, for me, a lot. Because, you, right, like, hey, this car just got blasted in the front left. And okay. you have these network problems. Like, I have other ways to figure it out. Like, hey, how come we don't put the four modules that are in 20 pieces in it and see see what happens from there right because either way you need the modules but it'd be nice to be able to just disconnect them and scope it and see what it looks like not that i'd have any idea because you're never going to have a known good but yeah i mean my day today was a 2021 honda a 2021 nissan a 2021 chrysler and then i had a 2020 audi so I mean, it's not like I'm working on old stuff that I can just say, hey, anybody on Facebook got a waveform for this? Yeah, dude, my stuff ranges um, 1968 GTO and 20... Vacuum controlled fuel injectors, nice. Yeah, 2019 Renegade, 2017 Jetta. It's, It's just all over the all over the board. I don't work on hardly anything more than six years old. Oh, three Miata. That, how is that still around up there? <laughs> they store them. The Miatas, the convertible, they store them. That's the fun car. So, you, you know, you got different tiers of people. You got the Miata. Well, okay. You want to go way back. We got some MGs. Yeah. What's it? <clears> an MG. The midget. British. Yeah. A little British car. Looks a lot like a, Miata, old Miata. Um, and then you I'm, have. I'm not old enough to know what an MG is. Yeah. Then you have the like the Miatas, and then you have the um, be like the what maybe Porsche Boxers and um, the uh, BMW. There's two of them. Yeah, uh, um, there's a there's a Honda too. Oh, the, like the S2000. Oh, the S2000. And then the Z4 yeah, Z3 the- or Z4. Yeah, they cut a Z3 and half in one of the 007 movies. <laughs> the helicopter with the yeah. spinny blades. <laughs> so those don't rust away because those get stored over the winter and they're strictly summer uh-huh. and fall cars. So you drive them two weeks out of the year. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> this year they might get three. But um, yeah, I don't know. Just get a shotgun splatter pattern of vehicles. That's. When somebody calls me and tells me their car's like a 2001, I'm like, yeah, I'm not your guy. Have a good day. 
like, I hate to say it, but I just am like, I'm so used to 2021 now that when somebody calls on an 01, it takes me so long to go, oh, that's how that worked back then? Oh, yeah, I remember this. Yeah, it's like jumping back to an OBD1 uh, vehicle and you're used to the OBD2 uh, port connector, just nice and standardized. And you got all the different connectors and flash codes. What, and What do you mean this EGR isn't pulse with modulated control? Everything's <laughs> pulse with You know, like yeah. it's... Well, yeah. yeah, the Miata looking at scan data. And, and, and that most 2003s aren't that slow, but the Miata, the update rate... The refresh rate is so horrific. It's so horrific. Your Altel's like waiting for response from a car. Yeah. <laughs> like the hourglass thing. It's just, holy hell. It was bad. It's so bad. Yeah. I I just avoid them cars now. I don't know. I, I, but I have so, all the shops yeah. call me when they get a brand new car. Like, hey, we don't even know how this... uh. EcoBoost Turbo Works. Can you come look at it? And I've been getting a rash of vehicles that have two two real issues um, that contribute to a single symptom. So like a Chevy truck that comes in that idles poorly and lacks power. And, you know, I don't like skipping over obvious issues. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't like trying to, okay, I know this is bad. Let's ignore it and try to dig deeper. I, I hate mm-hmm. doing that depending on what it is. So uh, the Chevy trucks, like the five, three, six O's, the plastic, well, I guess all of them now are plastic intakes, but one of my favorite tests with those is to take a garden hose and just start soaking along the, like the fuel rails and that. Mm-hmm. And especially when the engines on the cooler side, they suck the water in and either smooth out really good, idle really nice, or they idle that much worse and steam starts rolling out the back. <laughs> so that's what the I've, multiple, not just Chevy trucks, but just cars in general where, all right, I know this is bad. How much further do I want to start hopping around and trying to overcome what this is contributing to for the lack of power complaint? Mm-hmm. And so then we do the intake and then um, that now idles nicely, take it out on the road, and I get this massive fuel trim split side to side, and I got a partially restricted cat. And, you know, that one's probably a bad example. I could probably get nailed that one. But it just seems to be this rash of vehicles yeah, but, where... But you're beating yourself up, but how many other techs would have gone, oh, hey, the intake leaks, so I'm going to check for a bad cat. <laughs> yeah. Right? No, like, I... But- that's what we get with these old vehicles, though. Like you said, you don't want to work on the older stuff. And I don't blame you. The high mileage, old, beat up Suburban that I had in, and it was running rich, super, super rich. And it's a fuel pressure regulator inside the intake manifold. The old Spider yep. one, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Put a, put a regulator in there. It's easy. They all go out and, you know, you'll be, you oil change, you'll be good to go. Well, they do that. And then it's complete opposite. It's lean codes like crazy. The fuel <laughs> trims are the complete opposite direction well they needed a mass airflow sensor too so i had to go back to to do that on top of it because they still got a light on or whatever but yeah it had two problems and it was driving around like that for or how, I, who knows how long and 
that's what people don't understand about their cars. <laughs> it's not just one thing with this old 200,000 mile vehicle. It's busted. Yeah. And, and that's the real issue I have with working on the older ones. It's one the shops already thrown 20 parts at it. Right. And most of the times if it's an older car, they're not buying quality parts. It's, Hey, what's it advanced auto parts or discount at the cheapest price. Right. So you don't even know if the parts, the new part, which never, ever worked to begin with, we still don't know if it works. And then you might end up with a car like you guys have where there's two or three problems in it. And I'm going, well, it's going to take me two or three trips to fix it. You're expecting it fixed now. Like the headache of not having the shop is what kind of draw, drives me away yeah. from them more than anything else. But yeah, you can get some stupid, stupid problems. It just never ends. Yeah. I still like when, when a guy rear ends somebody in the Chevy trucks, but he's like got an eighth of tank of gas. So it's just enough to where all the gas flies forward and then it flies backwards and it snaps off the fuel pump and the car doesn't run. The insurance company's like, well, that's not our problem. That's in the back. He hit somebody in the front. You're like, well, you think he rear-ended somebody with a broken fuel pump? No, <laughs> no, he did not. Yep. Yeah, or the vehicles, they do whatever job to it. Timing belt, timing chains, and um, they get done with it. It doesn't run, doesn't start, or it runs horrifically. And uh, then, okay, tune up, fuel fuel system service, whatever it is, all these parts. Finally, gets to the point where it's like, okay, needs a computer, you know, quote unquote computer. Got to send it down uh, to me to get programmed doesn't fix it okay well <clears throat> this is what what we did and ever since and now we done we did all this other stuff and it's i mean that's a significant amount of money invested in this vehicle and either you know the obvious thing is right they didn't get the cam timing right or they didn't follow service information for putting the cams in the specifically the phasers to make sure they were uh, in the right position to be uh, lined up, you know, uh, by the marks, uh, or they loosened up the friction uh, friction fit pulleys, so now they're no longer uh, clocked right with the uh, cam itself or crank, depending on which one it is. Uh, in other cases, they take the freaking reluctor when they took it all apart and the reluctor plate is will separate from whatever piece they took off like a, a balancer a harmonic balancer and then they put it on 180 degrees you know n flipped i don't mean like a <laughs> clock from 12 to 6 but i mean they took it and flipped it face to face if that if that makes sense instead right. of the, the what was facing the front of the vehicle is now facing the back of the vehicle and they caused the problem and all that money got dumped into it, 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 it to track that down. And then uh, the, they're almost upset at you for having to charge them. Even, even if you lucked out and nailed it in an hour, now you're the bad guy mm -hmm. for hitting them for whatever, you know, 150, oh, yeah, they 160 just bucks, five 180 bucks. Parts. Yeah. It's like, well, Dude, if you'd have brought it down right away, you'd have saved money. Yeah. So 
It's I not like it. I rub your face in it. I don't even make, I don't make fun of you. I don't even, well, depending on who you are, I might rib you a little bit. But. <laughs> I had a good one at a body shop. It was a mini Cooper and a mutual friend of ours helped me a little bit, just a little bit. And uh, so the sh- body shop got it from the dealer because the dealer wouldn't put a used engine in it. Right. Cause it's, it's BMW mini, right? They're like super strict. New only. Well, the body shop got it. They put a used motor in it. Guy started up, let it run in his bay for an hour. It ran fine. Um, made sure the coolant burped right, yada, yada, yada. So then the manager goes, hey, I'm going to take this to lunch. Takes it to lunch, comes back, still runs good. The service writer goes, hey, I'm going to go to lunch now because there's just one of them. So then the service writer takes it to lunch, comes back, still running fine. The other tech drives him around the block a little bit, still runs fine. They decide they're going to, the service writer's going to take it one more test drive, make sure, you know, no issues. So they're going to call the customer. He makes it 10 feet down the road and the car just dies. Won't restart. So I'm coming down to an ADOS calibration. He goes, hey, will you look at this? And I warn him up front. Like, look, I'm not like a BMW expert. I can program them because you just hit a button and kind of walk away. (laughs) So I'm good at programming. Not so good at how the stuff works. So I start looking at it and checking, you know, because I hear all those horror stories on those minis, those four cylinders about the ground at the valve cover, right, being left loose and destroying the DME. So the first thing I do is pull a little cover off, check it up, ground's tight. That voltage dropped the ground up. Ground's good. Okay. So then crank it over. It, it kind of sounds like it's going to start, right? Like it's like, like it almost starts. And I'm like, man, it really sounds like it's out of gas. I wonder if the fuel gauge just doesn't work. So I get some brake clean because I carry brake clean in the truck. Spray in the intake. It starts, right? It runs just fine. Now, granted, the car was just towed to me from being broke on the road because I was there doing an ADOS. Starts and runs. And I'm like, dude, it, it seems like it's out of gas. Like, are you sure there's gas in it? So the guy's like, oh, I'll bring my gas can in the morning. We'll put gas in it. And I was like, okay. So the next day, he calls me up, 930. Hey, guess what? Gas didn't fix it. Well, <laughs> not totally surprised. I figured I would maybe get lucky, but, you know. So far, my stocks aren't doing good, and neither is my diagnostic. So, hey, win-win. <laughs> so I go down there, and this time I really start looking at it, and I pull a coil out. and I mean, when the shop did the motor, they put four brand-new BMW coils in it, four brand-new BMW spark plugs in it, because the old valve cover leaked, and the plug coils you know, are also you – know. and so the, the tech says, hey, look, man, I even went so far as to change over – because the used motor, they use the used cam and crank sensors, but they use the original wire harness. He goes, look, I even put the original cam and crank sensor back in. It still doesn't start. Well, okay, thanks for letting me know. So I pull a coil out, check for spark. Zero spark on any coil. I'm like, oh, well, that's why it doesn't run. Hey, good job. <laughs> so I uh, text a mutual buddy of ours to, to get some information. He's like, oh, it's probably the DME. Check the ground. I'm like, hey, check the freaking ground. The ground's good, right? I'm like screaming at him. And he's like, well, I'd get a DME for it. I'm like, oh, man, I don't know if I want to call it. You know, it's like two grand for a DME. And I'm like, what if there's something else just telling it not to spark? Now, granted, this mutual friend did tell me, well, did you check cam and crank? And I'm like, yeah, I, I checked it, right? I pulled up my ISTA and I can read um, desired phaser and, and it's right where it should be. And I got RPM signal. So, so obviously the crank sensor is working, right? That's my assumption. So 
put a DME in it. It doesn't start. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm in it like two grand, right? And the shop owner's like, so what are you going to do about the DME? And I'm like, well, there goes about one-seventh of my monthly sales profit for the year. It feels like it's gone, right? So I'm like, well, I called it. I'll buy it if I'm wrong, right? So I – or no, I had to send it to the dealer to get programmed because it wanted a code for a speed limiter. So I said, look, just have them diagnose it. If it's something I missed, I'll just pay the bill, right? And, and we'll work this out. Just have them look at it. So I didn't hear anything from from like two days. Well, a mutual friend texts me back and says, hey, you still got that mini that doesn't start? And I said, yes, I do. Why? He goes, go scope the cam and crank because I bet you when they put the used motor in it, the reluctor where it is for the crankshaft, you can bend it slightly. And it'll cause it to see a double down dip. And he goes, I have a shop that happens to have a motor, same situation, you ran for a couple hours, and now it won't start again. And they scope the cam and crank, and there's two full downs for a top dead center. And he goes, they have no spark, and they already put a DME in it. Then they asked me to come look at it. And so I called the shop manager. Hey, man, where's that? Which mini dealer did you tow that to? I want to go look at it. Oh, we just totaled it because mini says it's an internal engine problem. They said there's something wrong with the, with the crank. There's got to be something wrong with the crank reluctor that's causing it not to spark. Jeez. And, you know, of course, they just want to put a new, new engine in it. But still, for the shop to be paid, because you don't know if it got bent at the junkyard, they bent it pulling it in. So, of course, the insurance company assumes it, it was bent prior. So they totaled the car. But, I mean, that car totally kicked my butt over something that you're just like, I never would have thought. Because in BMW service information, it says if you have RPM, you will have spark. You don't even need crankshaft sensors or camshaft sensors. Just rpm from the crank because there's only one down check for the for, for top dead center and that's it that's all it needs to spark so yeah this is why i don't work on junk old cars anymore because that one cost me quite a bit of money yeah no kidding oh man but it was it does make for a good story <laughs> yeah. about how to lose your lunch and to make sure you scope something from now on <laughs> But yeah, so I don't work on old cars anymore or used parts. Do you guys do a lot of used parts in Minnesota or are they all just rotted away? No, there's lots and lots of used parts. But I don't know. Sometimes those are better than the new parts, honestly. (laughs) Well, okay. We're not talking ECUs. I'm more meant like... No, he's right. Even... I mean, you name it. Depending on what it is. I mean, window motors and regulators... Yeah, I'd Times rather see a used one. Used one than you are. <laughs> really? Yeah. We can't build window regulators in 2021 no, yet. No. <laughs> Wiper motors, um, alternators. <laughs> it used to be easy to just pick on like A1 Cardone and Dorman and stuff like that, but it's Door extended. Stop. It is totally extended out beyond. Those are my calls. I get a lot of the time is they put you know, three or four alternators and something and still not charging. And I go, and I'm like, it's an alternator. I'm like, I'm double checking what I'm doing. Cause I'm like, it can't possibly be a fourth alternator. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Off the cuff. I mean, I don't have my ducks in a row on this, but there was a Jeep, same thing. And it was like four or five alternators. 
and it ended up being an alternator. And it wasn't just the aftermarket ones. It was the OE ones were boxed wrong. Almost like the Ford smart alternators back in the, I yes, mean, that's not going way back, but it's, I had one burn me. So seven alternators I installed. Yeah. They're boxed. <laughs> they're freaking boxed wrong. They put Jeez. the wrong, uh, rectifier on there rectifier regulator and it wouldn't accept the pcm signal to charge but when you yep. got over 3000 rpm it would charge yep auto excite and, same thing yep. with this jeep the I jeep had, uh, charged like crazy the light never would go off and it would set the code and um you know it's like what do you what do you do and everybody's losing faith in you right <laughs> that's yeah, probably one yeah. of the more annoying things like you you work really hard to develop a reputation of not you know pretty rare you're outright wrong and if you are everybody makes a mistake or you had every reason to be wrong like the data pushed you a certain way and now this it's like all of a sudden they they lose their faith in you so quickly like well no it can't Mm -hmm. be it can't be six alternators in a row. You're yep. on crack. Oh, yeah. Well, I was talking to our sales rep, and yeah, I guess they're having problems or boxing them wrong. Or we made the big switch, you know, Advance and CarQuest are merging, and there's, ha- you know, miscommunications or whatever, and the and the part number swapping. And yeah, you've, you, you got a rash of wrong parts. Well, I, I understand stuff happens, but now you're trashing me because (laughs) it has to be an alternator what else can it be and i had a sprinter that i told them to put an alternator in they put an alternator in still wasn't charging i went and i'm looking at the alternator as it's running and i could see the fan blade on the inside you know through the opening in the alternator and it's like barely moving around as the engine's <laughs> running at idle. And I stuck my pocket screwdriver in it and I stopped the, the <laughs> inside of the alternator. <laughs> I was like, oh, there's your problem. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I had a uh I had a used car. That's shop. the worst that could happen. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You got some bigger gojonas than I do with that story. <laughs> That's a guy at a shop called me. Guy's got it's a used car lot, and I just try to avoid them like they're the bubonic plague mixed with COVID, right? And he calls me up and he goes, "Hey, I got this 2013 Hyundai Genesis 2.0 turbo. It stalls at a red light. I've done the low pressure fuel pump, the high pressure fuel pump. Maybe it's newer because it's, it's direct injection, right? I've done low pressure fuel pump, the high pressure fuel pump. I've done, uh." camera sensors, crank sensors, and I put a new throttle on it. It still stalls. And I'm like, is it an electric throttle? Yes. Did you put an OEM one on it? No. Put an OEM one on it. Call me back. It's $1,800. Okay, well, call me back when you put an OEM one on it. I'm like, the only thing that's going to cause it to stall at an idle, because this was his exact story, if I lightly put my foot on the gas, not even raise it 50 RPM, it won't stall. I'm like, it's got to be the throttle. And he's like, Argh. I'm like, get a used one. Put it on there. We well, couldn't find a used one. He calls me back three days later. I bought one from Advanced, Discount, CarQuest, Napa. It still does it. It's not the friggin' throttle. Did you put an OEM one on it? No. Don't call me back until <laughs> you put an OEM one on it. Guy calls me next day. I hate you. Why? Put an OEM throttle on it. It's, it's fixed. Huh. 
but it was eighteen hundred dollars that OEM throttle and the yeah. discount parts stores was three fifty. Like, there's a reason. You know, we had a Mini Cooper with the uh, needed valve cover or cam cover, whatever you want to call it, with the uh, rocker case arm. ventilation system built into it. Oh yeah, yeah, and we got it from Mini. Took three of them. Nice thing was is they didn't really hesitate. They, this is like a known issue. <laughs> <laughs> that would piss me off. Right from the friggin' dealer. Yeah, when I first started my company, I had the Ford Smart Alternator, and I'll never forget it. It was a shop, and I'm talking like top quality shop. Like their owner's an A plus diagnostic tech. Their tech's an A plus diagnostic tech, and the guy called me. Hey man, I know you come out here and program. I know your card says you do diagnostics, and we'd never call you. Can you come tell us if you think this fifth alternator is bad in this Ford? (laughs) It was was the Ford station wagon car. And I'm like, no, yeah, yeah, I'll come out. And he goes, look, I'll I'll give you 200 bucks to come out. He goes, I don't know what your fee is, but if it's less than 200, I'll give you 200. Okay. So I made sure I had my Pico and stuff, and I go out, I scoped everything. And I'm like, yeah, it looks like the alternator is defective, man. He's like, all right, I'll get another one. Because someone puts it in. Same thing. And he's like, hey, this is going to sound really bad. I ordered a PCM. Can you come program it? I'll pay you. Okay. So we put a brand new PCM in it from Ford. You know, because he's like, there's no No, way. Six alternators, right? Like, at this point, I just want the car guy. And so put the PCM in it, program it. Same situation. He goes, I'll put a seven alternator in it. Calls Ford, tells him, look, man, put a PCM in it. We've done this, we've done this. It's got to be with the alternator. They send him another one, puts it in, same thing. Finally, he takes the seven alternator out, sends it to a rebuilder down the street, and the guy goes, oh, look, there's two different, like, regulator rectifier bridges you can put in this. It's This one has this part. I'm going to just go ahead and put the other part in it. He put the other one in it, and it fixed the issue. Oh, yep. I mean, it was literally like just <laughs> yep. the rebuilder was putting the wrong one in it, and but I mean, it, we were all standing there going, "This, this isn't that complicated." Like, right. it's it's a power, it's a pulse with modulated signal, it's a power and a ground, yeah. right? Like, it'll make you question everything you went through <laughs> and uh, everything you thought you knew. You're like, "Oh man, what the heck did I miss?" You know, it's the exact same problem. There's no way it could be the the part that I mean, you overlay wires because you're so uh-huh. confused at this point. Uh-huh. I mean, you you have more time invested in it than anybody should ever invest into an alternator. And you're like, yeah, it's the alternator. And if the owner wasn't so cool about it, you know, because he's like, I don't think my tech made a bad call. And he goes, even if he did, I'm not throwing him under the bus. We all screw up. But it it was just, oh, I'll never forget that. It was it was quite the unique. I mean, seven alternators. And it was the one that's like on the bottom by the axle. So you got to like kind of like drop the (laughs) axle. I was like, that poor, the tech said he could do it in 25 minutes. After oh, I, I bet. Yeah, he's got a zipper on that thing now. <laughs> Matter of fact, the one time I went there, he only put one bolt in it. He goes, I'll fight the other two bolts if it works. <laughs> he goes, the belt will hold it. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, right. you guys uh, ready to wrap this one up? Yes, sir. I guess so. I don't know. It's the most fun I've had all week. I haven't had to work on the van. I'm not the only one screwing up cars. Yeah, well, now, now you're way behind. Now you got to stay up all night tomorrow working on the van. 
Well, the van's getting closer. My uh, my dad has come over like every night, and he's done construction his whole life. So when it comes to like, hey, dad, I need you to cut this eight foot, you know, piece of plywood that now costs four hundred dollars for a sheet straight at this at this measurement, you know, don't screw it up. Like he actually cuts it like perfectly straight freehand, and I'm looking at it going, couldn't do that if I put a piece of wood down and used it as a guide. <laughs> but you did it by eyeball. You know, it's kind of impressive. So he's been down helping me, but yeah. So hopefully this weekend I'll, I haven't built the other shelf to hold all my ADOS stuff, but I'm hoping that because most of my stuff's just in my truck in cases, I can just like set it in there and use it because now okay. that I'm making a truck payment and I haven't driven it. I'd really like to drive it. <laughs> yeah. But I got my inverter in, I got the one um, desk pretty much done and I put in all the AC outlets. I got my five nine watt LED light bulbs that are cool white, which is a little bit much. Probably should have dialed it down. So maybe I'll install a dimmer for fun. I can try out my uh U Advanced Wave test kit dimmer on that nine watt. <laughs> there you go. See how long it lasts. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. A great talk with those two guys. Want to give another big thank you to Matt and Matthew for coming on the show and talking tools with me. Say, so if anybody would like a list of the tools that were mentioned, I'm not going to put them in the show notes. Uh, what I will do is email you a list with links if you're interested. So contact me through Facebook or contact me through the email that is listed in the show notes and I'll send that to you. But I didn't want to post it because it kind of takes away from the episode if you can just check out the list without <laughs> listening to what we have to say about the tools themselves. So um, I'd like to thank everyone for listening to the show and I really appreciate all the great feedback that I've been getting from listeners as well. It means a lot to me really, really, truly does. So thank you. And other than that, let's get out there, start fixing the world one car at a time. Yeah.